Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossap, Fightful Wrestling. It is September 5th, 2022. Now we are here to talk AEW All Out. And we have a familiar face with us. You saw her with us earlier this year. We got Julie Cutler. Julie, how you doing? I am doing amazing, Sean. After the ending of this show, all I can say is, wow, we are going to have a lot to talk about. Oh my gosh, we got so much to talk about. MJF is back. We're going to tell you what we knew uh, about it, what what we had reported on Fightful Select earlier this afternoon. But we're so glad that so many of you could join us. Uh, We will have a stream of the Scrum, thanks to Will Washington, who is live in Chicago. We also have a stream over on FightfulSelect.com, the Sour Graps stream. So plenty of coverage for you guys. But you can get your questions or statements in here on the air by donating a super chat here on youtube.com slash Fightful. You can also go to humperchats.com. You can leave your question or statement before we go on the air. Uh, And needless to say, this will be a little bit longer than one of our usual shows because they did 
15 matches. <laughs> Julie, uh, I can I can tell you this. I am not a fan of 15 match shows. I feel like a good three or four of these could have been put on Rampage. And you say, hey, this is the all-out Rampage instead of maybe doing five hours. I agree with that. I think that there's been a lot of talk about this in the past. I know when we did the Double or Nothing post-show, there was a lot of talk about how long the show was. And on one hand, it's great because you're spending, what, $50 to rent this Bleacher Report pay-per-view, and you definitely feel like you're getting your money's worth. But on the other hand, it's just a lot of content to fit into that period of time. Um, and there were a couple matches on here, and as we go through them, we can kind of, you know, touch touch on that more. There were a few that I don't necessarily feel like the payoff needed to be on the pay-per-view. And um, I just feel like... It was a long, it was a long show and it would help for those of us that have shorter attention spans <laughs> <laughs> just to, to make it a little bit more concise. But I do applaud that they're giving us a lot of content considering they only have four pay-per-views per year at this point. Leo says C plus show, a lot of instant man booking. There, there was, there was a lot of, well, I don't want to say interesting, confusing booking. Chris Rain says, have a great show. I'll probably still be driving from All Out. I know you and Julie oh, are going to kill it. AW Fan Fest was awesome. Finally got to meet Will Washington there. Well, we are going to kill it. Glad you got to meet Will. I talked to him today, and he talk, told me how awesome it was to meet so many of you. Made Definitely made his weekend. So uh, we thank all of you. And Ricardo said, the last two days of wrestling ruled. Yeah, and I mean, we're, I'm si I'm sitting on about eight straight hours of wrestling, and then we're going to be on here for an hour or two. It's uh, it, it's a good time. It's a good time. And uh, our friend Zach Schimmel sent in a couple of very generous super chats. Big thank you to him. He says, "Fun fact: Every time Julie's been on a stream, the video has gotten over one thousand likes." Just saying. <laughs> I mean, love that for me. Thank you. <laughs> You can't argue with stats, right? Like it's, it's analytics. And he also says, I'll start the night off strong. A great pay-per-view. Acclaim should have won the titles. Match of the night. MJF return makes sense. He needs to win the belt. A few surprises in the show. Hope Ruby is okay. Subscribe to Fightful Select, you cowards. Uh, I can't disagree with any of that, Julie. Obviously, obviously we're going we're gonna to get to all those, but uh, any general thoughts? What stood out to you most on this show? Well, for me, going into the show, I had mixed emotions because, number one, last year, I feel like All Out was such an incredible show. If you're if you're comparing to last year, they had pretty big shoes to fill. I mean, last year, we got Ruby Soho. We got Adam Cole. Um, there were a lot of big moments last year. We got Daniel Bryan, of course. Um, and so I remember watching last year and just being like mind blown by how great of a show it was. And I think with everything that's been transpiring in the world of wrestling, in the news that you've been covering, Sean, these past couple of weeks, there's been a lot of, there's been a lot of stuff going around that may or may not be true that we've kind of been sure. hearing from different people. But I think that the general gist of things is that it's been a little bit chaotic. Um, and so I was kind of, kind of curious to see with, you know, rumored uh, backstage unhappiness and rumored 
you know, backstage feuding between certain people. I was kind of curious to see, okay, how are you guys going to pull it together? And I will say, all things considered, um, you know, there's going to be certain things that I would have done differently that we'll kind of get to as we go through each of the matches. But overall, I was generally pleased with how they pulled a lot of this together, considering what we've all been reading about the past couple sure. of Shout out to my shoe guy, Glaciers of Ice Kicks in the house. Ricardo says, Select is the best $5 I spend every month. Uh, I, I'm going to tout a lot of the stuff that we reported on Fightful Select uh, a little bit later, but uh, we did have talent that straight up told us, hey, MJF is the Joker, and we had that on Fightful Select this afternoon. We had the word of Christian uh, working through an injury as well, which I think kind of people could could see by the end of that, but... It was up on FightfulSelect.com uh, today. We have a lot of stuff up on there about the, the video game as well. Just an insane amount of content. You will not find a better $5. We had pay-per-view pre-shows. We've got an extra post-show over there. The Weekender. We're dropping articles from our magazine archive as well. So a big thank you to everybody who subscribes to FightfulSelect.com. If you try it, I guarantee you're going to like it. Radam says, my niece and I got interviewed by Denise, met Will, and got in Moxley's face during his walk down. Great crowd. I'm glad it was a memorable weekend for you. And, you know, I can say all I want about it being a long show. Man, as long as you had a good time there in person, who gives a hoot? Uh, Jason Check says, seven of the first nine matches had a face losing. I think I'll be taking a few pay-per-views off. I don't tune in to be frustrated for four hours. Felt like a slog. Well, I had a good five hours, and it started with Ty and Sammy against Ruby and Ortiz out of nowhere. And I thought this was the right way to start this. Although they could have just done this on rampage. This could have just been a rampage match. I do love that Sammy getting run over by things is a tradition. <laughs> Unfortunately, as we reported on Fightful Select a little bit later, Ruby got her nose busted. That's unfortunate. Uh, Ortiz and Santana weren't on the same page before Santana uh, sort of uh, got hurt and he's sidelined. So, who knows what's to become of him. But Sammy from went from having a match that was going to be on All Out with Eddie. You had that backstage uh, situation with Eddie. I think this was was all right, but I, I don't think it needed to be on this show. It could have been on Rampage. It was on Rampage, and it was just fine, but it could have stayed there. And that's no disrespect to any of the competitors. I agree with that. I think that I think it was fun. I definitely think that the way they started it out was fun. I think that it for, you know, fun pre-show sort of like filler content, it was what it it was fine. It was everything that it needed to be. I was bummed about Ruby Soho's injury, obviously because you never want to see anybody get hurt, but also just because a year ago, she made her big debut at All Out, and that was a really exciting moment that sort of helped really make that pay-per-view what it was. And I know we talked about this last time I was on here, Sean, but I feel like they still haven't given Ruby Soho her big moment that she really, truly deserves for being the worker that she is. And so, you know, seeing that now she'll she'll probably be sidelined for at least, you know, some some period of time, it's... A bummer, obviously, because you, you never want to see anybody get legitimately hurt. But just because I feel like she still needs to have her big moment. I know last time we had used the phrase, always a bridesmaid and never a bride. And by God, she deserves to be a bride. And yeah. at some point, 
you know, within the next several months, when she is back in action, I think that they really need to utilize her the right way, being that she's, you know, one of the more experienced women that they have on their roster. I think that she has more in her to help elevate the women's division as a whole. Say, uh, Sammy and Ty get the win. Uh, M.A. Salko says, how was Zero Hour better than the pay-per-view? I mean, they were, it was a long show and there were some questionable booking decisions. Uh, we had Hook defeating Angelo Parker. Um, this was one of Hook's longer matches. And you do see where he is still a little bit green, obviously, but he gets the win. You know he's getting the win. He's still super over. Action Bronson, who sings his theme song, <laughs> hits the ring afterward. Uh, <laughs> does a little throw. I was like, all right, they're getting him him involved. That's the nature of pro wrestling. You're going to have that sports entertainment stuff. And Parker and Menard are perfect for that because they play that up and sell it with body language so well. How? What do you think of this? I mean, again, I think that it was solid pre-show content. I would like to see, because I feel like Hook had such an explosive debut and I feel like, especially right when he debuted in his first couple of matches, I feel like he was on like a very hot streak. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like at some point, I know he's still a little, you know, maybe a little bit green, but I would love to see them involve him in a more serious program at some point. I think that I, I don't want him to lose his momentum before we get to see him involved in something a little bit more serious. I think for, you know, all intents and purposes tonight, having Action Bronze in there was fun. Getting him in the ring was fun. I think that it was it was a nice match in the sense that he's had a lot of, you know, easy squashes. And it's kind of just refreshing to see some other people be able to get a little bit more offense in. But I hope that they push hook while he's hot and they don't let him simmer in in pre-show and rampage matches for too long guys i will have notes from the post-show scrum here so if you want to pass on that listen to us that's fine i'll pass you all the pertinent information cm punk um said that he's not been involved with colt cabana in nearly a decade uh, which i mean that objectively is not true. They were involved in 2015. Uh, that was about eight years, seven, eight years ago. But um, obviously, maybe a little bit of hyperbole there. He explains why their friendship fought, fell apart from his perspective. This is from uh, John Alba. And it, uh, he says that there are EVPs that put out information to media about his relationship with Colt Cabana and that he is extremely upset right now. Says Hangman Page went into business for himself on national TV. I can tell you that no EVP ever told me about CM Punk and Colt Cabana. It was uh, quite the opposite. It was a lot of other people who were upset and felt like CM Punk maybe cost Colt Cabana his AEW coaching gig. Uh, but that was not from an EVP. I don't think I've ever spoken to the Bucks or Kenny outside of interviews. So, I mean, that definitely wasn't the case, but we're going to keep monitoring the scrum and give you uh, any pertinent information that we can we got black macro kids saying watching the alex review live just wanted to say this was the best pay-per-view i've seen happy to be a wrestling fan this weekend i haven't seen a lot of people saying the best pay-per-view they've seen but you know what that's the beautiful thing about subjective wrestling to each their own thank you to our friend paul eric spoonamore here sending a super chat 
And we got Pack defeating Kip Sabian. After that, he's confronted by Orange Cassidy. Now, this was an important performance for Kip Sabian, Julie, because there are a whole wealth of AEW fans that have no idea who Kip Sabian is, what he can do, what he's capable of. They've never seen him perform. I often speak about a Double or Nothing 2009 scrum I was a part of that he did really, really well at. Uh, he is a very good performer. He worked the crowd really well in this match. Didn't win, wasn't going to win. That's Pac's title right now. But we've got Kip Sabian with a very important performance for him to show people exactly who he is and what he's capable of. Before we get to the post-match, what did you think of this? As I mean, a lot of this audience is very limited to their exposure of Kip. Right. And I think that, again, I think this whole pre-show I felt in general there was nothing on the pre-show that I was necessarily like blown away by but I felt like this was again a pretty solid performance I also feel like there's certain people on the roster and Pac is one of those people where it's hard if you put him with virtually anyone it's hard for him to not put on a solid match I feel like he's one of those guys that elevates whoever he works with. And so I felt like the two of them put on a pretty solid performance together. I feel like um, what I would like to see is my, one of my, one of my gripes with AEW is I feel like with some of Kip Sabian's sort of new look and his new persona with the cardboard box, since he's come back, I feel like there's a lot of content that's shown on dark and and in places where the casual wrestling fan might not watch and might not get the full backstory i think it would be to his benefit because you said this this is a very important moment for him um to sort of elevate him and like really let people know who he is i think that it's important that we start getting more of the backstory because AEW has such a huge roster right now we're bringing in a lot of people from new japan we're giving a lot of people on the indies opportunities on dark which is a great thing and it's a great intention but i think that we need to start giving the casual viewer a little bit more backstory why why does Kip Sabian have this gimmick? Who is he? Why do we care about him? And then I think that that would help the overall uh, presentation of the match. And then, of course, you know, Pac wins. Like you said, it's his title right now. I think having Orange Cassidy come out at the end um, was a nice little way of showing us where the story came from and sort of where it's going to go. Love that they finally got the um, copyright to use Jane as his entrance music. There's something special about hearing that hit when he walks out. So all in all, I felt like it was pretty solid. I just think it would be it would be more advantage to their advantage for people like Kip, who um, you know have been sort of off TV for a while and are coming back. Let us know on on cable TV what his gimmick is and why and why we should care about it instead of relying on dark a little bit too much. This person didn't send in a super chat, but uh, it is a person that we know. One Stephen Friedman saying yes! the, the <laughs> hashtag ass hat is back uh, referring to his own son. Uh, I believe you may be the only person that has ever recognized him out in public, not as That's MJF's dad. King. But as the Pagel King, Julie and I were together at, what show was it? 
Revolution. Revolution. And and MJF's dad walks out and greets me and and she goes, wait a second, are you the Pagel King? <laughs> and MJF's dad makes paleo bagels. Yes. And They're the smile great. on his face was just unmatched. It wasn't somebody going, you're MJF's dad. It was somebody going, you're the Pagel King. Real quick, real quick plug for Pagels. So like SRS said, MJF's dad runs a paleo bread company. If you go on Instagram or Facebook and you follow Bedrock Bakers, that is how you will find them. Their products are phenomenal, and I relied on them very heavily while I was doing pageant prep. They are delicious, and they're gluten-free, kosher, uh, paleo, and vegan. So yeah. if you don't follow them, there's your little plug, Stephen. <laughs> get in your super chats. Get in your humper chats. Uh, a very juicy scrum going on right now. Punk says the EVPs are stepping on their own dicks. <laughs> Tony Khan says MJF sets up as a great challenger for CM Punk, regardless of the circumstances. Again, big thank you to John Alba, who is doing some great notes right now. Um, and CM Punk says that he wore Dan Housen's boots tonight because his foot is still not totally back to normal. Um, that's interesting. That's probably why he's able to hit that GTS so well. But um, also, uh, Punk says that Hangman jeopardized AEW's first million-dollar house off of something that he built and went into business for himself on national television. Uh, confirming a FightfulSelect.com report, my friends. Uh, make sure that you all... Uh, Check it out, FightfulSelect.com. We would greatly appreciate it. That wasn't it on Zero Hour, but we do have Richie Rich saying, tonight we got to see one of AEW's best young talents do what they do best after a long time away. Kip Sabian is underrated. He is underrated. I can't wait for you all to see what he can do. We set up Orange Cassidy versus Pac. That is a long-threaded feud that I'm glad is continuing. Um, the kids' reaction to, to Orange Cassidy's music was great. I like this. It makes a lot of sense. We've also got Shy Town Spurs saying, I'm outside of the arena. I won't watch this till tomorrow, but Chicago over everybody. I'm too high to taste this chicken. Damn. Damn. <laughs> BJ Page says, I just got back from the media scrum. I need some water after that. Punk went in on everybody. Hangman and the Bucks mainly. And Luis, our great moderator, big thank you to Luis says he's also eating a muffin while talking shit. So um, I I got very confused there with that note. I thought I read he's eating a muffin while taking a shit. And I thought he was saying that about Stephen Friedman, who obviously makes. There you go. Well, we had Kingston defeating Ishii. This is a rematch of their New Japan match earlier this year. Obviously, Eddie Kingston, we reported in great detail on FightfulSelect.com. The issues with Eddie and Sammy. We got comments from Eddie, uh, comments from Sammy, reported that they squashed it, but Kingston showed up here. They were here to fight. They were slapping meat. They were beating the brakes off of each other. This match was exactly what we thought it was going to be. It was two guys beating the absolute dog shit out of one another, Julie, and it was amazing. They're one and one now. They can do the rubber match like in a year or two, and they can always go back to it. I thought this was one of the, the more brilliant things on the show. I actually did. At first, I wasn't sure 
if this match was going to do a lot for me when it first started. And then as it got going and as they started to build up momentum, first of all, this match was like, like you said, it was a chop fest. <laughs> but as they got going and as they started building up momentum, I did start to get more and more sort of lured into the story that they were telling. And I think that Eddie Kingston, he's a really interesting person for me because he almost reminds me this might be a weird comparison but he almost reminds me of Enzo in the sense that I feel like they're both great heels and they are both kind of rough around the edges but there's also something about them that like when they do baby face things it kind of lures you in because you're kind of like oh like they have a soft side and um I feel like that kind of came out at the end of the match, when Eddie Kingston was, you know, trying to sh show good sportsmanship and, you know, lend a hand and, and walk up the ramp together. And obviously that that was not received. And maybe some of that um, is sort of a, a, a cultural difference as well. But I did, again, I thought this was a solid addition to the pre-show, especially considering Originally, there were different plans for Eddie. I thought that this was a nice way to sort of give him something else to do that also made sense and didn't feel overly random, like they were just trying to throw something together for him at the last minute. Loved this. I thought this was a great match to have uh, on, on Zero Hour. Made a lot of sense. Well, then it happened. <laughs> we had the casino ladder match, and there was... A whole lot of great spots, but in watching this, despite the great spots, despite all the great work, everybody was waiting for one thing. Everybody had their eye on one thing. And this is, is not me trying to undermine the, the what they did in that match because they worked their asses off. There were some really, really cool spots, but everybody was waiting for the Joker. Every single person was waiting for the Joker. And we didn't actually find out who it was until the end of the night. So of all people to come out and grab the chip, it was Stokely Hathaway, which, you know, was just phenomenal meme material forevermore. <laughs> it was forevermore. So uh, we've got Morrissey, Ethan Page, Lee Moriarty, and the Ass Boys. The way I'm looking at this is, you know, Morrissey's been thrown away by everybody in the past. Ethan Page was brought to AEW, had a whole list of promises made, didn't happen. Lee Moriarty was actively recruited or mentioned by BCC. There was no follow-up. Then there's the ass boys who were used in the front row of Jacksonville and all that and have been rendered sort of as jokes. Stokely Hathaway, I don't even know what his qualm would be, but goddamn, the guy's one of the best talkers on the planet. So he'll, he'll tell us this story. He'll explain us this story. But he grabs the chip. The Joker comes out, does not mask, unmask. And we just see that the Joker is who got this. This is what everybody's going to be talking about was this specific spot. What was going through your head? So I know pretty early on in the show, obviously we didn't find out who the Joker actually was until the end. Wrestling Twitter researched this on the spot. Yeah, <laughs> and, of so I, and so, um, you know, as as I was watching with my family, 
we were kind of putting together, um, you know, bits and pieces. The quote that they did end up showing from CM Punk in the video package at the end of the show. And then also the the choice of song. If I know a lot of people were digging up old tweets from MJF from earlier this year, from 2021, that had all referenced this specific song. And so I think, and one thing that I noticed is that when he came out to the ring, when the Joker came out to the ring, I noticed he was wearing red bottom shoes. I was like, those are, there's no way, there is no way in hell that those are not MJF shoes. He would be <laughs> the one. He would only be yes. he's the only one to have those nice Louboutins. So I, I think a lot of people had a lot of ideas right away. I was exhilarated by this because, you know, obviously MJF has been off of TV for a couple of months. And I really think in that time, it became even more apparent to us what a staple he is to this company as a whole. I feel like MJF is AEW. And so to, to get that that glimmer of, you know, we are, we're all wondering, is he going to come back? Is he going to make his comeback tonight? And then if he does, how are they going to do it? And I thought that this was a phenomenally creative way of them doing it. One question that came up in my household, and I don't know if other people online were talking about this, and it's probably not going to hold a lot of relevancy in, in the long run, but you know, we were talking about the latter match, um, the first women's money in the bank match where James Ellsworth won for Carmella. And then they ended up doing a, a redo of that match, um, which Carmella ended up winning again and being the first women's money in the bank. But there was some question about the way that they did the ending. Will people like it because of the way that it sort of questions the integrity of the ladder match. I don't know if that's something that other people have been talking about online. I personally didn't have an issue with the way that they did it. I thought having Stokely come out, get the chip, reveal himself, kind of gave us an extra moment of like, okay, well, he's not going to keep the chip, so who's it going to be? Um, but I know there was some chatter about should they have had all these people come out sort of clear the ring and then have the Joker be the one to go up the ladder. Um, I don't know if there are other people that look into sort of logistical details of things where, you know, they would feel like that was kind of weird the way that they did it. I personally liked it. So there's my two cents. Action says the pay-per-view has been strange. It's like Tony read the room and said, no soup for you. Starks <laughs> acclaimed hater JB Danielson, the ladder match, too many denials for the fans in one night. Well, I don't think the ladder match ended up being a denial. I think that ended up working out really well by the I end of the so night. Too. The ladder match, that made my night. I was like screaming, crying, throwing up with happiness. Yes. That ladder match. <laughs> Reminder, guys, please leave a thumbs up. Keep uh, Julie's great streak of over a thousand likes up. Uh, I mean, my God, again, you cannot argue with stats. Uh, Ryan Ben says, Eddie and Ishii saw Gunther and Sheamus and went bet. Gunther and Sheamus is one of the best matches I've ever seen. That one was such, so fantastic. And Achille F says, you sold me on select. I just got it. Ready for scoops. It's not just scoops either. We've got over an, on average, a show per day over on Fightful Select. Uh, there's going to be times where I just live stream in the middle of the night just to do it because I'm bored. So 
uh, FightfulSelect.com. Let's talk about one of those things that we did look at and we can say. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Probably pretty good booking, all things considered. But there, there's still a bit of a hitch in some of it. Voodoo Child says, is Kenny Omega the first AEW Triple Crown champ? Yep, he sure was. Uh, he sure is in the elite defeat, Hangman, and the Dark Order. Now, Julie, this match was incredible. This, this to me was one of the best, if not the yeah. best match on the card. And I mean, I think that it's pretty self-explanatory. When you get the Bucks and you get Kenny and Hangman in the equation, it was not only was it, um, you know, sort of like your stereotypical young bucks, everything in the kitchen sink is thrown into the match sort of match. But I think what was interesting was there were a lot of spots that they didn't make super predictable. Like there were spots where, um, you know, rather than like kicking out of someone's finishing move, they did like a fun roll up or something to sort of keep the momentum going in in a forward direction and so there were a lot of really um there were a lot of really fun counter spots in this match i liked that john silver got some big moments to shine i think that this was a really good example of you know when you look at the dark order and you kind of look at when they first came on the scene i remember seeing some of the very first dark order vignettes back in 2019 at um fighter fest which i think was like the first show after AEW had sort of officially been declared an entity. And I remember seeing some of those vignettes and kind of thinking like, I don't, this isn't working for me. It feels very amateur. I don't like where they're going with this. And then I think over time with the introduction of Brody Lee, and then eventually sort of pairing that group off with Hangman Page, I think we saw a lot of growth for a lot of those guys as stars. And I think that tonight was a good example of that, especially when you rich, put them- rich in story too, because of all Weird. the history with, with Omega and hangman hangman in the bucks. And then the past year. Now it, it's very clear to me that a year ago, there was something in mind and that was undisputed era versus the elite. Yes. Unfortunately, what happens is Kenny Omega gets hurt. He's out for nine months, whatever long it is. By the time he gets back, Two of the three members of Undisputed are hurt. Well, you sorry, you can't work around a neck fusion if that's what Kyle O'Reilly had. And the way that I look at it, I'm sorry, what are you going to do with Bobby Fish for a year except for let him get older? Probably nothing. Probably going to do nothing. And again, if you got a perfectly good Roderick Strong who might be available in a year or a year and a half or two years, well, you know what? You can revisit that match in a couple of years. Uh, with those ingredients instead of Bobby Fish, who wasn't exactly wasn't exactly like sunshine and rainbows sometimes, but unfortunately that didn't happen. And Tony Khan had told me uh, publicly earlier this year, well, we're probably waiting for Kenny to come back for the trio's titles. 
So I think Dark Order was was a great team. Now, does not does not having the undisputed era hurt? Yeah, it hurts a lot. That that's a big one to not have. I but agree. Also, I think that it was is the important. only right that I had about the yeah. booking here. I do think it's important with a set of titles like this. That way you show that it's not just tag team titles B, that you have a main event act win it. And there is no more main event six-man act in wrestling today than these guys. Uh, you, you could argue bloodlines right up there, but like I think the Bucks have been protected more than the Usos to some degree. Yes. But the match itself... John Silver was built for trios matches. He was. And he's I was so a, good, Julie. This was a great opportunity for him to shine. And he's someone, too, who has a very good balance of not only technically keeping up with guys like Kenny, but also really getting his like fun character moments in and really getting the audience on board with him. And I think a lot of that, too, you know, a lot of that credit goes to for for the people that do follow being the elite and the people that you know follow sort of this behind the scenes content on youtube and have really gotten to see john silver's personality sort of flourish in full i think that he is someone that has a really great balance of having that fun loving sort of a little bit of a comedic side to him but he can also go in in the ring with some of these top guys and um, I, I think that all things considered, I, I know a lot of people really wanted to see Red Dragon and the Elite. And I, and I think that there were a lot of people that were banking on that match happening at this pay-per-view. And I don't know now that um, Bobby Fish's contract situation seems to as, be... As reported by FightfulSelect.com. As reported by Fightful Select. Last I read the other day, I... I don't know what the date is that he officially becomes a free agent, but it sounded so, like the AEW contact that I spoke with, they were like, if you put a gun to my head, I think we got more time. But what I noticed that was interesting about Bobby Fish's contract was, or his deal was he took an indie on August 20th and he had not taken any indies throughout his AEW run. He's booked for seminars. He wasn't doing that. He started a podcast. He started to do unapproved interviews. I'm like, okay. He started to bury the the booking and cm punk and i was like all right we see what's going on here it's very obvious uh we've got man we we just cm punk was just going off oh, uh, i'm gonna wait for luis to put this in there but braun wagner says great couple of days of wrestling or your guys favorite matches of this weekend uh gunther and sheamus uh i really liked ricochet and carmelo um, and I, I love Swerve and Lee versus the Acclaimed in the trios match specifically, and Moxley, Moxley Punk. Uh, name a couple that you like the most this week. Let me. Th I think for for tonight, I think that the trios match that we were just discussing and the tag match with um, Swerve and Our Glory and the Acclaimed. Although. I know that is one of the matches where we had talked about the ending very much falling short to what the, the crowd would have wanted. And, and it's hard because, not to sort of sidetrack from the question, but I do think it's hard because I think with, with that match and also with the women's four-way match, it was very much like a, come on, like read the room, crown the right winner sort of reaction. Um, 
And I, I can kind of understand why they chose the winners that they did. And it's, it's hard to know if when they're booking, if they realize how the match is really going to come across to the audience in the moment that it does, where it seems like the winner should very obviously be someone else. But um, aside from the outcome, I did really enjoy the tag match. Um, again, from Clash at the Castle, I think that Gunther and Sheamus, the, the thing that I really appreciated about that match is that I think in the past we've seen so many guys that have gotten pulled up from NXT. We've seen a lot of guys that did great stuff in the black and gold brand of NXT, and then they got pulled up to the main roster, and it was kind of like the style of match that they had to do sort of changed and maybe got watered down from the style of match that they would have done previously. And it seems like in this situation, they got to really do the style of match that we would have seen in the black and gold brand, perhaps now that they are under Triple H's creative control. I loved that Imperium came back together. I think that that was a smart move. I think Giovanni Vinci, Vinci, I don't know how you pronounce his last name, um, who used to be Fabian Eichner, I think that he was kind of getting lost in NXT 2.0. Like, I think he has a great look, and I think he has great star potential. And I was just kind of like, what are you doing here, bro? I was, so the fact that they pulled him up to the main roster and brought him back to Imperium, I think, was a smart, creative move. We're seeing yeah. a lot of a lot of smart, creative moves in in that same sort of vein right now, which I really appreciate. But I think that all in all, I just feel like they let the two of them really just do their thing and didn't try to rein in like, okay, you guys have four minutes and you're going to do your finishing move on each other. And we're going to move on. Like, I feel like they really let them put on a good, good tussle there. Bako five says punk should be gone. TK doesn't have a spine. Yeah. Apparently they, uh, the punk thing was very juicy. I will be working on that as soon as I get off of this show. Uh, CM Punk said, fuck Ron Francis before saying the two people that made the most money from him were Vince McMahon and Scott Colton uh, before leaving the scrum. I don't know who Ron Francis is. But Jade Cargill defeated Athena. Uh, so I know there were a lot of people frustrated about the runtime here. So I immediately asked and reported on FightfulSelect.com. They had more time if they wanted it. The match went light, so there were minutes to be had additionally on this match if Jade Cargill and Athena wanted it. It felt like a few times in this match that it was like, spot, 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 let's get to the next one, let's get to the next one, let's get to the next one. And sometimes it felt like there were some like reversals just for the sake of doing it. And I think with these two performers, they can just beat the shit out of each other. They can... Show me Jade hitting Athena really hard. I mean, we saw Athena hit a, a wonderful drop drop kick on the outside as she ran off one of the baddies. Uh, Stokely was not with Jade, which was very interesting. But Jade picks up the win. This, again, could have been on Rampage or even Dynamite, the TBS title. Give it seven, eight minutes if you if, – at least, I mean, they probably should have went that long anyway. If they had that time, just take your time. Let it breathe. And I don't know who called this match, who agented this match or whatever. But, I mean, this this 
was awfully short for what should have been Jade's biggest title match to, to date. I agree. I had a lot of issues with this. I was very disappointed by this match. And I think the reason being is that we've obviously seen Jade with this huge undefeated streak. And it's getting to the point where I'm kind of like, okay, so you really need the right person to eventually be able to decrown her. And I really felt like you're starting, if Athena can't do it, I'm kind of like, we're getting to the point where I'm like, who are you planning to do it? And I, I was kind of disappointed. Just I don't think it should be anybody. I think she should combine the TBS and world titles. Like, I think that eventually it should be a unification. And then in the absence of a TBS title, you create women's tag titles. I think that's I think that's a good idea. Um, I hadn't thought of that, but I like the idea of eventually, as the women's division grows, bringing in tag titles, and I think that that would be a good way to do it. I think that quality-wise, I was just a little bit disappointed in this match because my hope originally was that at some point early in the match, the baddies would do something stupid and get ejected from ringside so that they wouldn't be a factor anymore and then jade and athena could just go and i feel like it just it never felt smooth to me i think what you were what you were saying was accurate where it felt like sometimes they were doing a lot of reversals just for the sake of doing reversals and just knowing how technical and how talented athena is in the ring i know you know jade cargill she looks like a star she has great presentation she has great musculature she's very strong but a lot of people have have commented on how green she is and i think that athena was a great person to really pull her kind of to the next level in terms of match quality and so i was just kind of disappointed that i didn't see that here and and because you know, knowing that they had more time to do that, I would have just, I would have liked to see, you know, the baddies make their first interference, they get ejected from ringside, and then just let the two of them do their thing and let Athena kind of lead the way. And I just felt like it didn't, it didn't do what I was hoping it was going to do. And I, I will also say, I think that it was the wrong placement in the match card in terms of the fact that it came right after that trios match, which I'm just kind of like, literally anything is going to have a hard time topping that trios match, following that trios match. But that, for for me, following it with this match in particular, fell very flat. Guys, get in your super chats. Get in your humper chats. Tremaine says Jade needs to watch out for the tasers. Hashtag streak. So, yeah, I mean, it would be very easy to criticize, especially after the quote this week, uh, what Tony Khan, uh, like uh, about what Tony Khan said. Um, but Jade and Athena had time and it wasn't used. This happened with another match later on, I'm told. RH says to piggyback Julie's points about Ruby Soho, there's a pattern of AEW of hot debuts being put on a pile a couple of weeks later. Athena is stuck. Uh, is Athena losing stuck in my craw? She Hulk wasn't losing but looked beatable. It's hard to make yourself look beatable when you beat somebody in four and a half minutes too. That's why I think you do got to let those spots breathe. You get, do got to have some hope spots. Jade should not really need the baddies to compete with anybody at this point. Win them in the ring, lose them in the ring. It's okay to have them involved to a little bit of a degree, but if that's if, if she has those and wins in four and a half minutes, I don't know. I, the combination of those things just didn't necessarily 
sit well with me. Uh, JM says Cargill has entered the Roman Reigns scenario. I wouldn't go that far. I think you got to book more intriguing challengers and book it to where people are going to enjoy it. And you know what? You can enjoy a lot of things a lot better with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Look at my Vanna White here. Look at this. Look at this. NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Four additional months free. A 30-day money-back guarantee. Change your virtual location with just one click with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. Maybe you want AEW+. Plus. Maybe you want the old WWE Network back. Maybe you want to order those UFC pay-per-views at a much more affordable rate. NordVPN.com slash Fightful allows you to do that. Keeps people off your back based on what you're, you're you know, you're streaming, you're downloading. I don't want to know what you're streaming or downloading. We don't, we, we're not trying to look at Julie's uh, search history. That's for sure. But NordVPN.com slash Fightful allows you to browse safely and securely, block online trackers, block annoying pop-up ads and malware. It's available on all your devices. And they have three great tiers. You can get a VPN, a locker, a pass, or all three of them with NordVPN.com slash Fightful. You will save some money with that. That ad read went about as long as Jade and Athena. In <laughs> Simmons says the Seamus brawler style fits Jade. I mean, maybe it does. Uh, I mean, Seamus has the ability of where he's close to the same height as a lot of these people too. Jade towers over a lot of these people. So I know that that a lot of people look at her and they say, okay, lay your, lay your strikes in. That's a lot easier said than done when you do tower over people as well from a physical standpoint. But We'll see where they go from there. Kyle Fritz says, how many of the winners are decided by contractual obligations? Great pay-per-view, but felt like a few matches should have had different outcomes. Um, almost none. Tony decides who wins and loses. Like he, he is the booker of everything. He's always going to be the booker. He has made that abundantly clear in my conversations with him. He will be booking, period, point blank. Leonza Duncan says, only Ron Francis I know played NHL for the Pens. And Luis says, yes, he said that because of a question from a Penguins reporter on the scrum. Well, we got FTR and Wardlow versus Lethal and Motor City Machine Guns. C says that FTR had the worst match tonight. I don't, I don't think it was the worst match because we had some matches that just shouldn't even have been on the show. But this wasn't the absolute barn burner that I expected, Julie. How did you feel about it? I would agree with that. I don't think it was bad by any means. I think it's it was pretty solid. And I think that the outcome of this match was correct, where I think that um, Wardlow, giving Wardlow a moment here is important because I feel like Wardlow was kind of on a hot streak for a while and I don't think you want to let him lose momentum. So I think that the outcome of this match, they did get correct at the very beginning of the match. I was really ticked off about the, um, the shirt that was mocking the fight, like an eight year old girl t-shirt, mm -hmm. the one that is being sold with, a, I believe hundred percent of the proceeds are benefiting the American Heart Association. And so I think that having, was it Dax's daughter come out? Yeah. at the We'll, very we'll talk about that at the, about the post-match after, but the match itself. Yeah, I mean, I think that the match itself, um, my one, I guess one or two gripes that I had about it, I, 
I feel like I've been seeing Jay Lethal on my TV like a lot lately. And I will say, yeah. I feel like Jay Lethal is pretty solid in the ring overall. I don't know that this team really did it for me, just considering, again, we're bringing in a couple of impact guys, which I think is very cool in principle. But again, for the casual fan who's only watching AEW, are they going to understand why we're doing this? I don't think a lot of people are looking back at their paparazzi championship series days and going like, oh, I remember them 14 years ago on TNA where they they interacted with one another. Uh, the pinnacle and FTR, I do think it was important on yeah. them having this this win because they are establishing a trios division. And for all the, you know, we've seen FTR take some shots and imply that the Bucks are fearful of them. Well, you know, we don't have to have FTR versus the Bucks necessarily because we can get the, we can get Pinnacle versus the Elite now. And that's I, a real option. That was also going to be, that was something actually that came up in conversation as we were watching the show here. Um, because, you know, there's been sort of this long-term lingering question of when are we going to sort of get this next chapter of FTR in the books? And this would be a very creative way of doing that again without it feeling repetitive. And I also think, I mean, again, FTR, they're such pros that they could do abdominal stretches for an entire match and it would still probably be pretty good. So I didn't really have any major issues with like the technical aspect of this match. I just think, again, maybe it's one of those things where this could have been one that didn't necessarily have to be part of the pay-per-view. It could have yeah. it could have been on Rampage too. Yeah, it could have they, been on Rampage or a Dynamite, and they could have hyped it up for that, and it would have been cool. Um, but I just don't know that the long-term storytelling, I guess, other than you know, serving the purpose of get, number one, getting FTR on the pay-per-view and and Wardlow on the pay-per-view, and also just kind of keeping Wardlow's momentum. I think that it was good for those purposes. But in terms of like a thick backstory, I didn't really see the the payoff. So, yeah, I, I know I've said, oh, this could have been on Rampage a lot. But I think if they are going to spend the weekend in a city, that's what you should do. You should have a big Friday night and say this. If you if you couldn't get tickets Saturday, yes. by God, you're here, here. You're here Friday and you get to see something special. You get to see. Hobbs and Ricky Starks. You get to see uh, the the AAA mixed tag titles. You get to see uh, FTR and Wardlow against Motor City Machine Guns. There's so many options for that that they could have made uh, even better. Well, the post-match was great because Sanjay plays such a good little shit heel. He, he does. really does. He does. And Dax's daughter came out, broke his pencil. Dax punched him. Uh, and... Dax's daughter pinned Sanjay. That was great. Uh, yes, also, that was great. I was really, I was actually kind of ticked off, like when Sanjay first came out and he was wearing the altered version of mm -hmm. of the T-shirt that is 
benefiting the American Heart Association because I was just kind of like, who does that? A heel. They're, oh, they're promoting the shirt that way, though. There was a part of a part of of the discussion where it was like, if WWE did something like this, people would be jumping oh. down their throats. And so, I think that I thought that the the post match was the perfect way of bringing it full circle and putting him in his place, and then promoting the T shirt in a positive way. So yes. I, I, I liked the way that they did that. But at the very beginning, I was not happy about it. But then when I saw where they were going with it long term at the end of the match, I was okay with it. Somebody says, some people will complain about the length of the show, but will cry if some are left to rampage. No, I won't. No, I won't. Not at all. Don't care. Um, completely fine with it if that happens. Uh, N. Simmons says, is Layla okay after that drop kick? Looked nasty. She never walked up the ramp at the end. I usually find get a good like injury update and all that stuff like within a day or so. Uh, but we also saw the return of Samoa Joe. Uh, he's been off filming Twisted Metal, which he, he does the voice of Sweet Tooth. For those of you who remember the Twisted Metal game, that is the clown that is the face of Twisted Metal. So that is quite a big move for him. He's got such a good voice in general. So congrats to him for that role. But it's good to see him back. We really haven't got to see much of Samoa Joe since he debuted, Julie. I feel the same way. I was glad to see him back. And I remember when I was sort of, uh, you know, reading things online prior to the pay-per-view, there was a little bit of discussion about who the Joker was going to be. And he was kind of one of the names early on that was thrown out there just in terms of people who have been gone for a while and need to make their return to the company. And so he was kind of like floating in the back of my mind, but I almost forgot about it for a hot second just because we haven't seen a lot of him since he's joined AEW. So it was refreshing to see him back. And I think that it'll be refreshing to see now that he is back, the ways in which they can really utilize him more full term in the future. I also thought it was kind of um, interesting after he he came out within a couple of minutes they the camera cut away from him they panned back to him and he was already bleeding and there was part of me i was like what happened in the span of these past couple of minutes where samoa joe got cut open but um nonetheless it was it was good to see him return in that context i think that um you know as much as i was glad to see him back i was glad that they had other plans for the joker spot because um, I think that that was really what made the pay-per-view as a whole. But I'm curious to see now that they brought Joe back, where they're yeah. going to sort of go with this next program with him. Ryan Largent says, FTR, Wardlow, Trio's Pinnacle Classic is uh, better than the new Pinnacle. Well, I'm just glad Samoa Joe's back as well. I I'm glad to see that. Uh, Tremaine says, Samosif Joseph. Okay, I'll <laughs> leave now. Please do. I kind of like that. I don't. Not at all. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. Creativity from me. <laughs> uh, I will say I, one of my favorite things in TNA was when Alex Shelley was teaching Kevin Nash how to be an X Division wrestler. And he brought in some jobbers for Kevin Nash to beat up. And one of their names was Simoleon Joe. <laughs> I thought was funny. We got Will Hobbs defeating Ricky Starks. FightfulSelect.com this afternoon reported that uh, Hobbs was in line for a push. Well, that makes an awful lot of sense now because I, I wouldn't say that he squashed Ricky Starks. That didn't happen. But 
This one was another one that ended way too quickly, but FightfulSelect.com reported that they did have uh, some more time as well uh, on this match, but they ended up going five minutes. Another one that I feel like could have been on Rampage. There's a lot of people saying, is Ricky done? What's going on? Uh, I don't know. Um, I, I've reached out. I've tried to figure out what's going on. I haven't heard of any injury or anything like that, but Will Hobbs gets the win and he is in line for a push, I'm told. I think that Will Hobbs getting a push is definitely well-deserved. I agree with you. I think this is another match. There's been, you know, like a slow burn story here, but I wouldn't say that it was so impactful that it needed to be on the pay-per-view versus, again, Rampage or Dynamite. I guess my thought in terms of sort of where the story's going, I know that they've shown over the past several weeks the Nightmare, the factory guys sort of trying to offer their services to Ricky Starks and him kind of being like, no, I can do it on my own. I don't need you guys. And so I was kind of wondering if maybe his defeat was going to turn into him turning heel again and then kind of going back to those guys and being like, okay, like I'll take you up on your offer. But my thing with that is it just seems like there's so many people in the factory and I don't know that it's really benefiting anybody who is a part of that group and so maybe sending ricky starks in that direction if he's the one that kind of elevates the rest of the group he's so good like he's so good you're tony you do what it takes to, to keep him happy keep him there right and i'm i'm kind of surprised i don't know you probably have much more information about this sean but it see he didn't um ever pop up as someone that I had heard any, you know, we've heard news about, about certain people potentially being unhappy with creative direction and things like that. He wasn't a name that I had heard pop up recently. I haven't, I haven't heard that, but it wouldn't surprise me as well. But also people got to remember like Cody Rose is one of his close friends. Grass is awfully green on that WWE side right now, especially when creative satisfaction isn't a, well, maybe it'll work. It's a pretty, it's a pretty realistic thing now. And that, that WWE has more to offer people right now than ever before. But we're going to stay on that Ricky beat. Uh, ABW says, Hobbs versus Wardlow, please. Wouldn't be mad if Hobbs took it from him. Uh, I had heard that Hobbs and Wardlow was tossed around as an idea. Ooh, Tony Storm on the scrum says, quote, Thunder Rosa says she's injured. Okay, so when she says she is not injured, she can come back and lose to me, and that will be the end of that. Wow. Uh, FightfulSelect.com. Please subscribe today. Only $5. Reported a couple weeks ago that uh, she that Tony Storm was supposed to win this, this match, and that is what ended up happening. But um, let's go ahead and talk about that. We yeah. got the crowd... The crowd was in favor of of Jamie Hader here. And I feel like a little bit of an audible should have been called if even for like a week. And that will be a common thread in tonight's show. Probably should have called an audible. Oscar says, I hope Ricky and the Acclaim get rematches a Grand Slam. Jamie Hader should go for the gold now. Well, uh, she should. But I really enjoyed this. I really, really enjoyed this. This one was great. I thought that this was one of the better women's matches in AEW up until this point. And I think, you know, as I was watching this match, I was kind of saying off to the side, I think that this match was a testament 
to the growth of the women's division in the past couple of years. I think that there's still AEW being relatively new still. I mean, it was only truly, really truly established in 2019. So we're still only a couple years in and there's still work to be done. But I do think that we got to see some of their top players in the women's division really do their stuff in this match. And I think in terms of the outcome, again, this was a tricky one because I think I love to, I'm a huge Tony Storm fan. I love Tony Storm. And I generally speaking, love to see Tony Storm win the women's championship. I just think in this particular situation, I think the storytelling that was going on between Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter was was kind of more interesting. I think that they're, you know, maybe setting up this story where when Thunderosa does come back, you know, she and Tony had sort of been briefly tagging together. And I think that's the, the story that they're probably eventually going to set up is, the, you know, the two of them. Um, and that'll be great too, you know, considering their in-ring abilities. But I just think that there's this story between Britt Baker and Jamie that was like begging to be told. And I also think that we've seen a ton of growth from Jamie over the past couple of years. I mean, if you see when she kind of first started appearing in AEW when they were brand new and she wasn't signed full time yet, was just kind of making some appearances here and there. If you look at her from then to now, I think we you can see some major growth. Um, I think we see she, uh, definitely has the in-ring ability, the strong in-ring ability. Um, I mean, the way that she was, was countering in that match, it's very clean. Her work is very clean. Um, and she's also evolved to looking more like a star. I mean, her gear tonight, when she came out, I was like, she looks like she could be a champion. And so... I agree with you. I think this was one where I would have liked to see them call an audible and and really listen to the audience. But I can also see long term maybe where they were thinking of going with the story. And I and it's nothing against Tony. I love Tony Storm. I would have you know when Tony Storm first joined AEW, I was excited because I was like, this is someone who deserves to be a champion and who would look good as a champion and represent the entire company well, but I just don't think that this was her moment. And unfortunately, I think that that was sort of reflected at the end of the match when, you know, the crowd was kind of flat for her win and she deserves better than that. I would agree. Uh, by the way, uh, before we get into this, I want to say right after this, I will have some news. There is some already some major heat on CM Punk major. I mean, big, big heat from some very important people. Um, who boy, um, fightfulselect.com will have that boy. Uh, this is this is uh, pretty, pretty nasty stuff, but I love the way that they played things off. Um, they they played things off in this match, Jamie and Britt working together, then Britt trying to pull one over. I, I love the tease of the double pin as well. That was really good. Um, I feel like Jamie should have won this match. Um, and then Tony could have won it in a couple weeks even. And I think that could have worked out really, really well for them. Uh, your short reigns aren't, aren't the end of the world. 
Tabby says, well, I was wrong about the main event. I thought Sheeta or Britt, but Tony finally gave an interim world title who hasn't won, but to someone who hasn't won before. I do think it was important to give it to one of those people who had come from WWE as well, because, you know, after Athena and Ruby and Tony, and we'd seen all these women pop up, it is, it's important to, uh, to make sure that one of them does that. Elliot says, almost 2K people here. Spill the beans. Hey, buddy, I've got a staff to pay. FightfulSelect.com. Franklin do- says, the old work shoot. Nope. Nope. Not this. Uh, this is um, this is not, yeah. This is not that. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, there, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, I'll, but anyway, I'll uh, get to that momentarily. Ryan says the anybody but Brit prayer circle answered. She does the ace. Tony and Jamie were great. Wanted more Brit and Jamie action, but that'll come hopefully. And uh, I would agree with that. Tremaine says, is Tony saying Rosa lost her smile? Yes, that's what she's saying. Jarlock says, I'm probably in the minority here, but I felt this pay-per-view was missing something. MJF stuff was good. I understand where the elite won, but Athena and the acclaimed loss. Hopefully TK was listening to the chance tonight. Happy for the Jamie chance. Um, I, the elite winning was fine. Jade winning was fine. I would have went for a. I would have went with a, a audible with either the acclaimed or Jamie. That's that's how I would have handled it. So uh, Christian defeated Jungle Boy Jack Perry. I love that they're using Jungle Boy Jack Perry as his name. That's his name. That is one of. Jim Ross's greatest contributions to AEW. I agree. I think of all of <laughs> the names that Jim Ross has inadvertently, I love Jim Ross, but uh, of the names that he has inadvertently spoken incorrectly over, yes. over the past couple of years, I think that that is one of the greatest contributions because I think that he's, he's such a star. He is, I think Jungle Boy, I mean, he's obviously one of the, the four pillars of AEW. But I think from from day one, I've been very behind like pushing this kid to the moon. And I think calling him by name is sort of important in like solidifying his star status. I have to say though, I was disappointed with the way that they handled this match. And I understand in some ways why they did it i do think for you know everyone that feels like this was an extremely long show it did help with the runtime of the show i just think the unfortunate thing is like we said there are so many matches that could have been done at a different time at a different place and i feel like this is one of the matches that did have like the big story build up where it was worth being on pay-per-view and just knowing what Jungle Boy is capable of, I'm always excited to see a good Jungle Boy showing. And so I was a little bit disappointed with the way that it got cut short. But I know you had mentioned previously Christian dealing with injury. And if that is a factor, then that would make a lot of sense. It was. FightfulSelect.com reported that Christian was dealing with an injury. R. Harris says the whole Jack Perry match was a waste of time that wasn't pay-per-view worthy. He could have stolen the show the match was given a chance. Well, it couldn't be because Christian was hurt. We had mentioned that um, we had mentioned that Luchasaurus had never touched Christian before this. And then as a result, we got the turn. 
And I think that there were a lot of that that, that worked out really well, like Jungle Boy the, the Great showing on his back. Yeah, that was that was cool. that was really good. The power bomb through the table was really good. I missed the old days. His family too. Oh yes, of that was perfect. I missed the old days where you would have stuff on the table and it would go flying. Yeah, and now now it's like very. It's much more tame. <laughs> and and Christian trying to get the pin, then having to to do the the kill switch, the unprettier after a kickout worked really well. But Luchasaurus carrying Christian on his shoulders like he did with Jungle Boy was such a great touch. Such a great touch. I think considering the, the corner they were backed into, I thought this worked out really, really well. Uh, it made Jungle Boy more sympathetic, made Christian look like a piece of shit, got Luchasaurus over as a heel. I dug it. And Michelle Tate says, David Arquette needs to be Jack Perry's new partner and mentor. He was Luke's best friend and really is a father figure to Jack. Great rival for Christian, too. I wouldn't mind a cameo. Any any thoughts on David Arquette? I wouldn't I wouldn't mind a cameo. I personally just I want to see Jungle Boy as a as a single star. Um, I think that like a a one and done one off kind of a thing would be fun. But I really I think again coming back to those those four pillars of AEW, I want to see them build stars from the ground up. I know they've gotten a lot of criticism on relying heavily on ex-WWE guys as, you know, WWE's had a lot of releases in the past couple of years. And I want more homegrown talent. I want him to be a big single star. So I don't think he needs a new tag partner. I think that they need to continue to find ways to elevate him as, as a, potential main event player and i will say also i think that his promo work has come a long way from where he was when he first started i remember when AEW first started a couple of years ago and they were doing um a little tour with like a, a certain group of it was chris jericho um brandy they kind of had a little group of people that they had toured and they had done a couple of shows with and they were just doing some media coverage for aew being a new thing and i sort of remember um jungle boy being sort of quiet and demure and i think that in hearing him speak recently i mean obviously there's a difference between jungle boy in real life versus jungle boy in character but i think that i've seen a lot of growth just in terms of how he speaks with confidence and um, just the amount that he's putting out there now in his promos versus sort of where he started. I think we've seen a lot of growth in that way, and I want them to keep pushing him in that way. The news is coming in fast and furious. I'll just say that, and I, I agree with your point. I think Jungle Boy can be a star. I do, too. Uh, such a star. I don't want him to. I don't want him to get lost in any tag team. One off is yeah. great, but they need to keep elevating him. We got in uh, Simmons saying Jamie should have won. Dropped it to Arthur Ashe uh, with interference from Britt. Go into the storyline. Doesn't need a title. I agree. Jamie Hader wins tonight. Tony gets the challenge at Arthur Ashe. Britt costs Jamie the title, and you can immediately set up that feud, and you can go on to something else. Uh, Ryan says, wow, that punk scum. Hope this is a work because let me tell you, I'm getting some messages from talent and at least what they're being told is not a work. Now, obviously I want to say this. 
I got to be cognizant and operate on the assumption that it is, but I'm going to post the, the wild shit that I'm being told right now uh, on Fightful Select. I'm typing it up in the middle of this while still listening to Julie. It's wild. It's wild. Um, but hey, maybe it is an elaborate work. And if so, they're doing awful damn good at it because <laughs> everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it right now. So if there's one thing that they have shown over the last few months, it's that real conflict turns out to be real results. Yes. Um, I can tell you this. There are uh, There is one talent that said that there are, are threats of some other talent walking out. Fightfulselect.com will have more. Jericho defeated Brian Danielson. Matthew says, Ever, anyone else sick AF of watching Danielson do needless jobs? Talent of a generation being squandered. Vibes of Brett in WCW after an amazing start. I was puzzled by this. And um, I feel like if I would have watched this match with, I, I don't know, about five matches less in front of it, I would have enjoyed it much more. Um, but I still thought that their work was really, really good. I still thought that they played this off really well. I don't get Jericho winning, though. Julie, how did you feel about the match itself, where it was placed, and Jericho picking up the W? I also was a little confused about Jericho picking up the win on this one, but I will say the quality of the match overall was very good. And I have to say, I think Daniel Bryan, again, he's just one of those people where you could put him in the ring with a potted plant and it would be a great match. <laughs> but I think that this was a really good showing for Jericho. And I think that the fact that he was put with Daniel Bryan, I think that that really like pulls out the absolute best in Jericho. I loved, loved, loved the spot where um, I think Daniel Bryan was going for her Karana and then Jericho was able to reverse that into the walls. I thought that that was a very cool, very creative spot. Um, I think that, I mean, I think that it was a great match. I think I was just a little bit puzzled by why. Um, and I think that you know, there's sort of been this long ongoing storyline again with um, Blackpool Combat Club and Jericho Appreciation Society. But I, I suppose with so many people who are part of both of those groups, I didn't think that putting Jericho and Brian Danielson together was terribly original. Like it's not, it's something that we've seen before. And I, I just think with the, the amount of people that they have involved and the amount of younger people that they have involved as well, I was a little bit puzzled as to why they made this choice. I suppose that they're kind of leaning on the star power of the veterans from, from the group to sort of create this pay-per-view match. But I just didn't think it was a terribly original idea. Granted, it was a, it was a great match. And like I said, it's, I think I have to credit a lot of that to just Daniel, Daniel Bryan, I think really got like the best performance out of Jericho that um, we've seen from him in a while. But 
I just had some questions surrounding why, why sure. they thought that this was the best choice. One of their most, I mean, granted, Jericho is also a very marketable star, but right. when you, when you have Jericho beat Brian Danielson, who got, I'm trying to remember like Daniel, does Danielson have a big pay-per-view win singles? I don't know if he does. I don't know that he does. I, I can't recall in AEW. Yeah. And I feel like I'll this is do back and do some research, but nothing's. And I, I look at Punk and Brian Danielson and I'm like, well, God damn, that is uh that is a a f- big match in the future. A big match in the future. Yeah, and um, I also I'm still waiting on getting our Daniel uh Brian Danielson Kenny Omega rematch. I mean, again, that's not something that's that hasn't been seen before. Um, because obviously they've faced off many a times long ago but just throwing it back to when they had their 60 minute time limit match um i think that that was such a, a such a teaser for everyone because it was like we got this incredible technical wrestling match on cable tv that was kind of different from the type of wrestling that we're used to seeing on cable tv and i'm still waiting to see what the follow-up is on that yeah. so so I just think, um, I mean, I thought it was a great match, I guess. And, and we saw afterwards sort of where they're going in terms of internally within the Jericho Appreciation Society between Jericho and Daniel Garcia. But I guess I'm wondering what the long-term payoff was between the two groups. Sure. Brian Largent says, this is my match of the night. I think it's leading to CJ Garcia. Well, Jericho said after the match that, Garcia is going to win the the pure title and he's going to do it without Jericho at ringside. So that was a a nice way to integrate as well. Let's talk about a match. I even put off talking about because it's, it's one of the biggest things of the night. Get your thumbs up by the way, guys, (laughs) we will, uh, we will appreciate you guys. We appreciate you guys an awful lot. Uh, I guess Tony's riled up at the scrum too. It's just freaking insane right now i've got so much shit coming in oh man but um swerve and keith lee defeat the acclaimed this match ruled so hard i've been comparing the acclaimed to the new age outlaws because they've got like six things that they get over before they even get in the ring uh then they get in the ring and they're, they're pretty good i think that max caster is more like the road dog You've got Anthony Bowens, more like the Billy Gunn. Anthony Bowens is the workhorse, but but Caster was putting it in tonight, and they worked over the leg heavily. Lee and Swerve going heel for this match was brilliant. Acclaim should have won. They should have called the audible. Acclaim should have won. If not this, then Hater should have won the other one. But having them both end up this way, oh, that's rough. This this was my match of the night. Because holy crap, the, the, the crowd was so into it. Like the three hours into the show. Hot. The crowd was hot. And I think the other hard thing about this match, uh, when it came to the acclaimed not winning, is that there were just so many close calls where they almost could have won it. And um, I have to say, when you mentioned the comparison between the acclaimed and the New Age Outlaws, 
for me, I feel like the acclaimed is another example of talent within AEW that I feel like has come a really long way since they debuted. I remember when they first debuted, I wasn't, I feel like I've done a 180 just in terms of how I, how I felt about them because they weren't particularly a team that I was like super on board with to begin with. Like I wasn't a hundred percent sure about their gimmick. It wasn't really doing anything for me. And then I just feel like the way that it has sort of comedically evolved over time. And also the fact that Billy Gunn abandoned his own sons to work with the acclaimed and the fact that he is so into it. I feel like he's also a big part of what makes their gimmick work so well right now is just the way that he feeds into it. Um, and the fact that they, they're just getting so many ridiculous slogans over with the audience. Um, and the, the gear that they had, the gear with the scissors all over it, it was hilarious. They really got all the nitty gritty details. And, and again, this is a hard one because there were so many well-timed moments in the match where they were so close to getting the W and that this one hurt this one hurt very badly when they didn't and it also again makes me question where they're going long term with the story on this one considering now they got Billy Gunn on their side I was you know it seems like they win the titles and then Billy Gunn's like their proud father I feel like that could have fed into that sort of long-term storytelling between them and the gun club. So I'm kind of curious to see. I mean, I think that um, Swerve and Our Glory, I think that they're they're great champions. And I really do like them as a team as well. Um, and they sort of have more of the experience factor, particularly with Keith Lee. But I just, I wanted to see someone different get their moment tonight. Sorry about that. I had That's myself, okay. I had myself muted. So y'all didn't hear me click clickety clack, but, <laughs> um, Swerve and Lee are killing it right now. They really are. It's, it's, it's a great time for them. Like when everybody talks about hit row, hit row, I'm like, that's not even his best team in the last year. Mm -hmm. So like that he's better off in the situation now, but we got a ton of super chats about this. Uh, Zach says, I get sticking with Swerve and Lee retaining made sense. Uh, but that, but in that match development was special never ended up organically rooting for a team to win more than the acclaim by the end five-star match hurt by the loss really deflated me for a while after yeah that it did take a little bit out of me and ricardo said that he's never seen keith work heel before glorious i think that after he did the scissor with billy gunn he should have shot a little look at the camera like oh, i got this piece of shit like that <laughs> DDM says, just left all out. My hearing is gone. The acclaimed is so over. Should have strapped that belt to them tonight. Yep. Um, they're, uh, they're, I think that they're going to head back that way. Tony Khan uh, indicated that there might be a rematch and says that's probably the best thing for Arthur Ashe. Ooh. Joey Bag of Donuts says that match was amazing. The crowd made it even better. Man, this is, uh, sorry, I have never, like, right now, I, I want to say, the way that messages are coming in, the MJF thing, hailed 
in comparison. Failed in comparison to what I'm getting right now. Richie says, my girlfriend only got into wrestling in April. And this is the show. It was the first time ever she popped. She loved the acclaimed, wants them to win. They do seem like they sort of transcend. Uh, transcend like what is going, like wrestling in general, Julie. Uh, how are how are you feeling about their potential? Like just outside, maybe even to draw in new fans. I think that they actually the fact that they sort of have this little gimmick where they come out to the ring and they do their rap. It is very New Age Outlaw esque, and the fact that they sort of tie in like popular um, events, people, pop culture right now. I do think that there is a little bit of mainstream potential there to sort of pull in some new fans you never know what max caster is gonna say in a rap that's gonna sort of be relevant to something going on in the world that's gonna make it on youtube and you know other people outside of wrestling start watching it so i definitely think that they bring that sort of potential it kind of throws me back to um you know like the ad like attitude era um pre-attitude era people who sort of like had that ability to transcend the the wrestling industry um but again for me i also feel like they were a couple of guys that when they first came in um i don't necessarily felt like they made a big splash when they first came in i was kind of like on the fence about this little rapping gimmick and you know for me at that point in time some of the things they said were kind of clever some of the things they said like kind of kind of didn't hit the right spot for me but i think over time they've they've figured out comedically more and more how to connect with the audience um and i also think AEW is very good at using their veterans in sort of a strategic way where you know now they have them with billy gunn and we've seen them do this with other people in the past like matt hardy um we've seen jericho do it with his groups where they take some of the more experienced guys and kind of pair them up with some of the younger homegrown guys. And then they sort of use the star power of the older guys to help elevate the younger guys and sort of bring out the best in them. I think we saw that a lot with Jericho and Sammy Guevara. I think that Jericho helped Sammy sort of tap into a side of himself that really hadn't gotten the ability to come out yet. And um, that's something that, I think they should continue to lean into. I don't really know now where they're going to go with the story. With I, the I think probably a quick turnaround for Arthur Ashe. Like I would love to see sort of a hurdle put in front of them. Like maybe they went about a Royal or some sort of quick top contender match, but get that going right back and, and run it back at Arthur Ashe. I agree because I, I, again, I think the fact that Billy Gunn left his own sons, I think that if we see the acclaim succeed, he's going to get that proud father moment with them. And then we'll just continue to get to see them flourish as champions. And so that's where I'm hoping that they go with it. I don't really know if they did have anything else planned other than a quick turnaround, what they would be thinking at this point. We got more super chats about this. Uh, by the way, guys, that story is about to go up on FightfulSelect.com. So subscribe over there. Dream Ninja says, not going with the acclaimed. I understand why, but I felt like it killed, killed the crowd. I think we read that one. Jake says, I'm honestly seething at the tag team result. Should have been the acclaimed's coronation. TK fumbled it. Soured me on TK at all the negative stigmas around his booking. Should have called the audible. 
I wouldn't go that that like that extreme, but I, I agree they should have called the audible. William Tucker says acclaimed tag champs at Arthur Ashe. Seems that everyone was a little heated at the scrum. Oh, it certainly does. It certainly does. Um, man. Wow. Um, just just unbelievable. Um, the 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 claim to garner that type of reaction. They're they're so organic. They weren't even a team a couple years ago. Yeah, um, that's pretty that's pretty amazing. And and to find the the right two guys that like juxtapose each other in just the right way to make that sort of team work is very, very special. Um, and I do want to say too, I don't know, I'm trying to think tonight between this match and the women's match, I think I would have liked to see an outcome that sort of felt like a nice, pleasant surprise. I don't know that I really got anything that was like super unpredictable, nice, exciting surprise for someone sort of like climbing up the ladder. And I, I like having that moment. So, I mean, I, I like that Tony got her win, but I think she could have gotten it at, an, at another time. I think she deserved that big, that type of a big win. I just think she could have gotten it at another time. And, and same with Swerve and Our Glory. I like them as champions, but I just feel like this was the Acclaim's night. And I just, I think I would have liked to have had more of a moment of like more of someone who's viewed as being the underdog in the past getting the chance to shine instead of being a little bit predictable. And Simmons says, Gunther, Sheamus, Ricochet, Mello, Swerve in Our Glory versus The Acclaim were my top three this weekend. Buddy, that is a hell of a top three. And it's that really... Bro- Go ahead, sorry. That is... I also think um, Ricochet is another one of those people. I'm, it's, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see that they brought him back to NXT to do this match. I know this is kind of straying from the subject a little bit, but um, just real quick, I I feel like Ricochet was another one of those guys that really flourished in the black and gold NXT. And I felt like he had a lot of potential to be a huge star in the main roster. And I just felt like he didn't quite get that moment. I think that bringing him back to NXT and having uh, – Carmelo get that win I think that was a great way to elevate Carmelo but I'm curious to see what's next for Ricochet because I just think that he's so technically unique and talented and I don't feel like he's been used to his fullest potential on the main roster yet we've got it's really Brian saying I was able to catch all out at the movies the audience was great and very divided except for the tag match because everyone loves the acclaimed Great (laughs) great job with all your coverage this weekend I've got to go to a theater to watch wrestling sometime. Got that it. sounds incredible. Yeah. Mug says, sorry, I'm late to the party, but I just subscribed to Fightful Select. Can't wait to read all the news. It's going to be a long night for me. It's going to be a very long night for me. Um, I am going to publish this story while we're on the air. So uh, check it out. But I've got another, another possibly very juicy end of the story that that could end up ah holy shit i don't know man i can't even possibly convey this action says i don't know everybody focuses on the length of AEW shows wwe ple's are three and a half hours while AEW's are four hours buddy tonight was five hours from the pre-show on 
Uh, WWE's was about three and a half hours. So I, I do see why. Like it is, it is a long time. 15 matches is a lot. I will say if I felt like there was stuff on here that I, if it, the whole card from top to bottom was like pay-per-view worthy quality, high quality stuff, I would not complain about the length. I think the fact that there's a couple things that are thrown in that feel like they don't necessarily need to be here is what adds a little bit of frustration. I feel like if every single match you have has, you know, good quality in terms of the the actual technical wrestling as well as the storytelling aspect or some balance of the two of those things then i feel like there's no complaints from me but um there were just a couple of things and i felt like we had kind of said this for double or nothing as well it just felt like there were a couple of things that were sort of thrown in that didn't have enough sort of backstory to really justify it being there and then if you take out those couple of things it would be perfect and not even take out those couple of things to not do them, but just do them at a different time, a different place. We got more super chats about Swerve and Lee. Versus oh, the acclaim. Probable cause says, am I alone in thinking the exact second Swerve and our glory got the titles? Everyone was just trying to give the titles to anyone else. I mean, I think a lot of people looked at them as like, oh, here's a thrown together team. Right. But I, think I so don't, too. but I mean, they work together and now, now they just are a team. And ultimately every team is thrown together unless you just come up in the business together. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a good way of putting it. I feel like we had kind of, well, we had seen, seen Swerve really as part of, hit row um and then keith lee we've seen as a single star for so long that it did just kind of feel like they were thrown together but then once they got thrown together they had amazing chemistry and so i think it kind of worked keeping them together and they had a, they have a great name they have um they have a you know great look together i think that there's a lot of things that they have going for them as a team Oh man, the shit. I'm, I'm just telling you guys, this is the most <laughs> insane story. <laughs> Lord Zyphor says, saw the show in a theater tonight. It's the best way to watch besides being there in person. Do you see the acclaim getting another shot or FTR next in line? Boy, FTR are going to be mad, but yeah, acclaimed are getting another shot. I think acclaimed, I think it, I think it's also just it's sort of, tradition in some ways that they should get their rematch um i don't know i think that there's enough other potential stories with ftr for example when we had talked about the trios championship and having a potential rematch with the bucks in that sort of context i think that there's other things that we could do with ftr right now to sort of keep them occupied and also keep them in the title picture because they very well very well deserved to be in the title picture where i think that maybe the trios picture is something that they could potentially focus on soon and then give the acclaimed their second shot and hopefully the win that we all need them to have we've got joel wood saying is is it me or have the perceptions of wwe and AEW flipped in recent months as far as the backstage atmosphere and on-screen momentum yeah it has it's been yeah. a complete 180 like it, 
there's this happiness in WWE. Meanwhile, in January, I never saw such a bummed out audience as as we saw in WWE. Now it's a very optimistic, a very optimistic one. And in AEW, there's a lot, there's a lot of shit going down. I mean, the stuff I'm trying to get clarity on right now, it's like, my God, if this is not some sort of masterful elaborate work and let me tell you guys i get it i get being cognizant of a work that's how i go into everything with the mjf thing with everything i always assume i'm being worked but what you got to do is you got to reach out to so many different sources that it would be impossible to pull together those resources all to lie to one person so that's what we're doing right now and shit i think all i can say I think the interesting thing as well is, like you mentioned before, Sean, I think that some of the best stories in wrestling always spawn off of things that occur in real life. Things that were shoots that we sort of turn into a work. I think that those are some of my favorite stories in wrestling just because it sort of blurs that line between, okay, what's real and what are they starting to play up for TV? I'm one of my favorite examples of that of all time is the story back when I was a little kid with Matt Hardy, Edge and Lita. That was one I remember. And this was like way before, um, you know, wrestling news was as accessible as it is online now. Um, But I remember sort of like, getting snippets of those behind the scenes stories from, you know, what we did have on the internet. And then eventually that starting to play out on TV, granted what was actually happening in real life. Now that more of those people have gotten the opportunity to tell their true story. A lot of what was happening on TV versus real life was actually quite different at that point. Um, But it's sort of fun because, I mean, it's probably not as fun for the people involved that had to go through um, a lot of chaos behind the scenes to get there. But it's fun for the audience when it sort of creates this mystique of what's real and what's not. Oh, and I I love it. Like, I love figuring it out. I mean, I'll tell tell you guys this. I had what I believe was someone trying to work me this weekend or trying to get me to report something that I didn't believe was legitimate. And what I said to them was, okay, well, here's the thing. I would have to say that you claimed this. I couldn't say I'm told and verified this. I'd have to say you claimed this because I don't believe it to be in the way that you're framing it. So, I mean, like we don't just get to report everything that we were, were text or sent messages about or anything like that. So, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into this. It's a very cool job and a very fun job, but by God, uh, the story is up now, guys. And and as Tony said, he thinks drama is good for business. So why not do it? Well, it's very interesting too, because I feel like we've heard so many stories over the course of the past couple of months about things happening in the locker room, people who are unhappy with their creative direction, people who want to be released, people who have beef with one another. Um, Some of the people involved in these stories have sort of come out on their own to clarify what their version of the truth is. But I think it's very interesting to sort of hear that the scrum is unfolding in this sort of way, because I think for me coming into tonight's pay-per-view, knowing a lot of the chaos that's been going on these past several months, I was 
sort of intrigued to see how things were going to unfold. And I generally felt like um, there were a lot of things that went pretty well tonight as a whole. Um, I mean, I think that the, the ladder match and that the MJF return for me was really like the icing on the cake. But now following the pay-per-view to hear that there's even more going on, it kind of adds this whole like, Second layer oh in an ongoing saga. Is, is there, ever, I should say, is there ever more allegedly going on? Uh, allegedly going on. And I mean, there's, there's word that, I mean, listen, I'll, I'll, I'll to, to get you guys to subscribe, I heard the elite are very pissed. And one talent claimed that, that may, they may be threatening a walkout or at least posturing themselves in that way. We've got a lot of details on that on fightfulselect.com. Uh, I want to send love to our, our friend Kate, who uh, is having a bad week. And please send love to her at Miss Kate Fabe on Twitter. Um, she uh, just mentioned that she had to uh, put her pup down, and that's very unfortunate. Uh, we love you, Kate. We're sorry that, that you got to go through this. Send send our friend Kate as much love as you possibly can, guys. Uh, we would We would greatly appreciate that. She has made my life so much easier over the last year and put in so much work. So um, please, please give her uh, as much uh, Twitter affection as you possibly can. Stan says, heck of a way to celebrate my birthday. Thanks, Fightful. Love nights like tonight. Well, we love you guys being here. Tremaine says, I do not envy Tony trying to manage all these booking decisions, personalities, and pay-per-view cards. Vince ironically made it look manageable. I mean, it got to the point where Vince was so powerful that people just were like, oh, no, I'll get blackballed if I challenge this guy. Um, nobody um, nobody there is like threat or worried they're going to get blackballed over, um, over this. So, or over their behavior or anything like that. But what are, what are you thinking when you're hearing about this drama? Honestly, I'm... I can't say that I'm surprised, but I'm disappointed just because mm -hmm. I feel like when AEW first came to fruition a couple of years ago, I mean, I was someone who very much grew up on WWE and didn't pay a ton of attention to some of the alternatives that had sort of come about during my younger years. But I feel like when AEW first came about, I very quickly became a staunch AEW supporter. And I think that the idea that they are able to offer people creative freedom that they didn't get in WWE is very appealing and also very appealing that they're able to offer some level of creative freedom to people coming up on the indies who have spent a lot of time money, effort, and energy, yeah. building a name for themselves, building a character, um, building a gimmick, creating merchandise, traveling on their own dime a lot of the time. And, you know, at least, you know, now things in WWE are different where when you go there, you get a new name that they copyright and have full ownership of. And there's a very good chance that you could be assigned a different gimmick and a different look. And 
you know, you you put in all the work that you did to sort of get there and then you're sort of sent on a different trajectory, which may or may not work. And so I think that AEW sort of giving people the freedom to be a little bit more authentic was very appealing at first. However, I worry that, you know, now there's so many people on the roster. It's such a huge roster. There's so many collaborations that they've done with New Japan and Impact and also just Dark bringing in a lot of up and coming independent talent, which is all so wonderful in theory to give all of these people a spotlight. But it gets to the point where there's perhaps just too many cooks and not just in AEW, but in WWE or anywhere, when you have that many people and you have that many notable people that that want to be booked well, it's just impossible yeah. to have everybody be a star all of the time. And so I, I hate to say that I'm not totally surprised because I think that that's just kind of the nature of this game not everybody can be a star all of the time when you have that many people and that much star power working for you but i you know i was really hopeful going into tonight after everything that's transpired over these past few weeks that we could start to see some positive outcomes and um i think with mjf returning for me that was like a big win hey, I, I think buzz is positive i that's what i like yeah, as, I as mean, a news guy as a news true. guy that's honey true. honey bun says can tell by all sean's movement he's getting the scrum scoops well i want to say uh <laughs> denise denise and john uh denise salcedo and john alba did great a great job covering the scrum and will washington did stream it for us as well um, Andrew donated uh, a super chat. Big thank you. But uh, we do have a lot of questions about Malachi Black. So we had Sting, Miro, Darby Allen defeating House of Black. I enjoyed this match. Malachi Black takes the pin. Afterwards, he bows to the crowd. He hugs House of Black, um, kisses good uh, sort of goodbye to the crowd. I don't want to get into personal stuff that was reported because quite frankly, that ain't my business and that's nobody else's business. And as I always say, you can argue that everything I report isn't anybody's business, but that's where I personally draw the line. But what we do have is a bunch of questions about Malachi. Bako5 says, any news? Do you think he's gone or taking time off? Did MJF really not have to sign a contract extension? Don't know about MJF. I'm trying to find out. Uh, but Mr. Showtime says, my first AEW pay-per-view live, Malachi hugged the House of Black, gave about the top of the ramp. Any news on his request? Thanks for all you do. Ryan says, do you know what's going on with Malachi? When you bow like that, it generally means you're leaving. Hope he's okay. Joel says, so what went down with, or based on what went down there, is he taking time off? Is he done? Have you heard anything? Uh, Muggs says, thank you for the coverage. Do we have any info on Malachi? Shocked he got pinned. Curtis says, hope Malachi gets what he needs. Remember, if you need help, you're loved, 988. Absolutely. And um, he's a special performer. What I do know is he did ask for his release. However, when I asked AEW last week, I was told outright he is he was not granted his release. He has not been released. I was also told that they believed that they had a very good conversation with Malachi Black, and they felt as if things were smoothed over. As far as what tonight means, I'm not going to pretend to know. However, I can tell you this. If if Malachi Black wants time off, I'm positive AEW would give Malachi Black whatever time off that he would want. Tony Khan made it 
very known, Julie, that he had Malachi Black under contract for like four or five years. And um, he wanted the world to know that earlier in, in August. Um, now, I think that uh, if you're a Malachi Black, you probably look at the landscape of WB and you go, man, things are looking pretty good over there. But I mean, it is easy to forget the reason you're not there is because they fired him during a pandemic. They forgot they put the guy on a one-year winning streak. Um, there's there's an awful lot of of uh, possibilities and room there, but I don't know necessarily yet what's happening. I would imagine he's taking time off at the very least. Obviously, we're working to find out more. Tony Khan said he wouldn't comment on it um, at the time. But uh, what, what do you think we're going to see or not see out of Malachi Black? Well, this one, I I was a little bit surprised when I heard that he had requested his release. Obvious, obviously, people could have all kinds of things going on behind the scenes that we simply do not know about. And like you said, it's simply not our business to be reporting on. Um, that being said, from a professional standpoint, I see a lot of potential in things that he could still do in AEW, just considering... He has his own group. They have a great look. They have a great entrance. Um, I think that the way that they did end the match tonight, if he is going to be taking time off, I think it was the way that they did it with, um, you know, Sting spitting the mist in his face. I feel like that's kind of like a traditional, we're going to write this person off for a little while sort of match ending. Um, and I think that, you know, the way that he hugged everyone and bowed to the crowd was a, a very gracious way of him going out if he is planning on taking time off. Um, it, it is, you know, interesting, though, just because, like you have said, the, the landscape in WWE creatively is looking very different now. And so I don't know if maybe he sees possibility that he could go back there. I think, you know, like Ricochet, I think he's one of those people who really thrived in the black and gold NXT. And then when he got to the main roster, I feel like there's this sort of initial excitement of like, oh, yay, this person is here. And then a lot of these people had kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. And so I don't know if, you know, maybe the fact that Zelina Vega is there and now the fact that they have a new creative control if maybe he's kind of you know has his wheels turning in terms of what could potentially be there if he weren't in AEW but again that's hard to know because of the the circumstances of of his release as well there were a lot of people that had been released that we've seen them start to bring them back but then you get the same problem of you have this huge roster of people and you can't make everybody a star at the same time. So it's kind of like the grass is always greener. It's, you know, things look good for a little while. And then, you know, I remember back in 20, 2019, before the pandemic, WWE was being criticized at that time for having hoarded so much talent from the indies and not getting to showcase everyone. So you kind of run into that problem anywhere when things start to look good and everybody wants to go there we've got uh voodoo child says danielson beat miro at full gear last year that is true man with beard says fired malachi's wife first then rehired her then fired him 
It's a good point. But I mean, ultimately, complete circumstances aside, you never know what makes somebody happy. And you can't judge somebody for that. CM says, do you think Brody is taking over for House of Black while Malachi, I assume, takes some time off? He did a big part of the lead in the promo, absolutely, or assumably setting him up as the de facto leader. I would like to see that. He assumed an awful lot of responsibility there, so I would like to, to see that. Simmons says, two things. You don't sign people like Malachi, Ruby, and Andrade and use them uh, like this. It's a bad look. Feels like Tony has favorite that's starting to show with Yas and Darby. Um, I mean, Darby lost a bunch this summer, but I do agree with you got to use Malachi and Andrade better than that. They are world-class talent without a doubt. Dave Humphreys says worst AEW pay-per-view they've done in my opinion, far too predictable and frustrating. Poor booking decisions were far too telegraphed on what was going to happen. Tired of seeing Sting and Darby win, get better AEW. On the contrary, if Malachi is taking time off, I'm glad that Sting and Darby did win because I love watching Sting. I love at this stage, I still get to watch Sting wrestle. He's like the guy, him and Undertaker. I bought at that old age, still beating people's asses. I love the spot where he had, I think, Malachi in the Scorpion Deathlock and kept no selling. I really dug that spot. I, I, I thought this match was fun. I will say, I I have to give AEW props for the way that they've been utilizing Sting because I feel like at his age and at this point in his career, they're using him just enough where we're getting our our Sting, you know, moment of love. But at the same time, they're not over-utilizing him where they're exposing him in any way. I think that they... It seems like the way that they have been booking him in matches is just right where they're hitting the sweet spot of, of giving us this, the old-fashioned sting that we want, but they're not pushing him too far past his current limits. Um, and I do really like the pairing of Sting and Darby together. I know I've said this in the past when I've talked about the pairing of veterans with younger talent on the roster to sort of help guide them. Um, I think it's adorable that they seem to actually get along very well in real life. I remember a couple months ago, um, a fan running into them after, I think it was after an episode of Dynamite and getting out of their cars and Sting and Darby were driving together and they're chanting, A-E-Dub, A-E-Dub. Yeah. And so I just, I, I like that there's some sort of real life bond between the two of them. I do think that if they're trying to write Malachi off TV. It made sense that they ended the match in the way that they did. Um, if not, then I probably would have preferred the House of Black to have gotten a win because I think that they probably could could use that more to continue to help elevate the group. But I, if Malachi is going to be leaving for a little while, I think that the ending made sense. Action says, I don't envy TK right now. Is there even a good solution to this current turmoil? Make money off of it. That That's about it. Well, that's what Punk and Moxley did. We wondered, work, shoot, are they punishing Punk with the squash? Nope, but they teased it again. They teased it again, Julie. They made it look like there was going to be another squash. And what they had after that, I think, was a phenomenal main event match. The crowd was there for Punk. I love this. This is one of the best things on the show. 
Uh, and I thought Punk was going to win. I thought it was pretty clear he's going to win. But they put the doubt in my mind a couple of times. Did. I, I thought we, we were looking at two of the best main event performers of the last 15 years, doing it at one of the highest levels possible. And Punk gets the win. The finish. Oh, the finish where Punk hits him with the GTS. And the only thing keeping Moxley up is that he landed on a collapsed Punk. And then Punk said, to hell with it. I'll do it again. Ooh, that was good. That was beautiful. And and I I have to say, too, like as someone that was watching it from my home, it's like obviously we're rooting for Punk to get the win in Chicago. And then I'm also thinking about who the Joker is. If that is MJF, then I want him to be able to get his rematch with Punk. And so, and I want that storyline to continue. And so that was really like, what was driving me to the edge of my seat being like punk needs to get his act together and he needs to win this. And so, I mean, this was one that from my home, I was very much up and verbally reacting to. So um, I think this was also, I mean, it was another sort of like classic John Moxley being John Moxley, you know, with the, CM Punk had the crimson mask. It was almost like a little bit of a, callback in some ways to um Bret Hart and Austin at WrestleMania 13. Um I felt the the fact that CM Punk had that very thick crimson mask and the fact that they utilized a lot of submission moves throughout the match. That was kind of the conversation that was going on um in my household here was sort of uh, was there a, a sort of um under the radar tie-in sort of a nod to that that match, um, which was also in Chicago. And I thought that it was just kind of also a good showing of John Moxley being John Moxley, getting his face all up in CM Punk's blood. You know, there were points in time where like he was almost looked like he was eating CM Punk's blood. And I was like, that's kind of gross, but that's also like something that John Moxley does. So I guess it works for him. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, John Moxley did have the offense for most of the match. So there were a lot of moments where we're, you know, we're thinking like CM Punk has to win this, CM Punk has to win this. And you're kind of wondering, like, are they going to make the right call? Are yeah. they going to make the right call? And then they finally did. And then we finally get the payoff to the the Joker teaser from the beginning of the show. Man, um, I just thought they played this off really well. I did too. I, I was I was very vocal about this, Sean. <laughs> oh, this was I thought just a phenomenally portrayed thing, and then afterwards, the lights go out, and the Joker reveals himself. But before that, we're getting to some super chats. Joey Bag of Donuts says they should do Mox Punk three at Grand Slam. I don't think so. They are moving on. Ryan says, don't know if you saw, but TK completely went off on WWE for putting Clash and Worlds Collide on All Out Weekend. He came off as a baby, in my opinion. Uh, for Worlds Collide, I get it. For Clash, I don't. It's on a different continent, on a different day in the afternoon. I got no problem with WWE putting Clash at the castle on uh, yesterday. None at all. However, uh, you know, the... The, the Worlds Collide thing was very clear. It was obvious what they were doing. 
to me personally, though, I didn't even really see. I feel like between NXT and AEW, I mean, I know that they kind of had that Wednesday Night War thing going for a little while, but I feel like in terms of pay-per-views, I feel like All Out was probably something that generally would draw much more viewership being that it's like a one of four large pay-per-views for AEW per year and the fact that it's it's annually reoccurring whereas the world's collide thing just felt like a little bit random where I don't know I mean I suppose it could kind of take some attention away from your show but I still overall feel like all out was like more of where the conversation was At least from my perspective, I, maybe it's different for different people on yeah. different social media platforms, but just from my perspective of kind of what I follow. Bako5 says, super weird decisions. Booking decisions killed the crowd. FTR match was meh. Acclaimed and haters should have won. No reason for the first Mox Punk match. I disagree. I think that uh, it, it added to the intrigue. In retrospect, I think it added to the beginning of the match, especially. Adam. I didn't I didn't understand it at first, but in hindsight, I do think that it helped. Uh Adam says, Love you, fightful team. Great to see Mox work to his full potential instead of sloppy brawling. Also hearing punk go off on the EVPs made my night. <laughs> the the sentiment is much different from people that I'm talking to right oh, now. Sure. But again, I, I will work to talk to some people that are sort of on on his side. Of, of that because a uh, damn Andrew says, make me feel better. Tell me Malachi's just taking a break. Mox loses or deserves better than losing to a guy. He beat in three minutes. Guys, styles make fights. You can knock somebody out in 10 seconds and then go five rounds with them. And that's, that's the nature of, of, of that stuff. Uh, we've got in Simmons saying just respond, wanted to respond to Julie with Ricochet. I think he's being built back up. He was very protected in how he lost. And you're amazing. We'll talk more about WWE on a, on a WWE show in the future, but we will not be seeing MJF on one of those WWE shows. He was the Joker. He revealed himself. The most hilarious criticism of this that I'm seeing, Julie, was people saying, wow, that voicemail was obviously worked. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> they are on a fake professional wrestling program. MJF is back. Very clearly, he ain't shooting or anything. Right. Um, so I'm going to lay out in the Cliff's notes of this story. In late March, I got word from a completely neutral source. MJF and Tony Khan had a very heated discussion about MJF's contract. MJF was not happy that a lot of the incoming WWE people were making a lot more money than what he was making. And that was legit. If you doubt it's legit, Alex Hammerstone, who has absolutely zero stock in AEW, he is the MLW world champion, ain't going to AEW anytime soon, has spoken about this like very openly on uh, interviews. And he's like, if it's a work, it didn't start out as one. That I can absolutely uh, guarantee. Now, a lot of I saw somebody say, oh, Tony, work in the sheets. Tony said one thing to me about this. Tony, in fact, downplayed the argument very much as a, eh, it's probably not worth reporting type of thing. 
anything that I would hear from MJF along the way, I would say, listen, I'll do respect, but you're fucking MJF. I can't just take what you're saying and be like, poof, here it is. <laughs> and a lot of that stuff would be off the record anyway. There were some very, very serious conversations that he had about some topics that one, a human would not work another person about in general. Uh, some very personal stuff that I was privy to or became privy to. So I know that there was some real, real frustration there leading all the way up to the show. I mean, we saw Wardlow come out and say that was supposed to be my big night. Didn't know if I was wrestling. Um, Devil's Doorway says, your own Twitter account said the voicemail is real, Sean. I don't run the fucking Fightful account. <laughs> I don't run that account. It is in my bio that I don't run that account. Do not sit there and say whatever Kyler James tweeted on that account is what I said. That is not what I'm saying. If he uh, if he said that, that ain't right. And I don't think he did. But either way, him no-showing a meet and greet was a very real thing <clears throat> uh, to the point to where there were people that were in charge of the meet and greet that almost had his door broken down in the hotel. They were fearful of something. Um, and that led to me gaining up saying like, well, what the hell's going on with him? What the hell's going on with him from a source that typically gives me WWE news. I got word about him booking or not him booking a flight, somebody booking a flight. And I said, sorry, that ain't enough for me to run off of. I'm going to need to garner some more information. So I did that. And that's how I got the information that led me to the plane flight report. And, um, I never thought that he was going to get on a plane. I never thought that was going to happen because just I, I was surprised he no showed a meet and greet. I was shocked that he did that. But I specifically left one piece of that information out because I wanted anybody else that reported that information about that plane, that, that, uh, that flight, to one, be able to back up my reporting, and two, I wanted to know that they had to do the work themselves. There was one reporter that did that, and that was Mike Johnson, because he knew where the flight was to, and it wasn't to somewhere that was normal. So the next day happens, still a little foggy on that. He showed up before the show, left right after. But the next day, they had a meeting. Now, from here on, from double or nothing on, things are a little foggy. I believe, don't know, but I believe that once Monday rolled around, it became a work. They had a meeting. They made it work because MJF's out there on TV two days later, very clearly working in a promo. That was a very clear work promo. But what you don't go into that planning, Julie, is making Wardlow like the eighth most talked about thing on Dynamite after his crowning moment. And it's kind of ironic, Julie, that MJF is back and the only thing anybody's talking about is what CM Punk said at a media scrum right afterwards. Holy shit, it is a circle. Well, it's crazy to me because the other thing is that all of this just transpired in the past two hours <laughs> yes. and like this was very very fast because i mean 
at the end of the pay-per-view when they were, you know, doing the whole video package, doing the reveal of the Joker, I was like losing my mind. Number one, I was thrilled because I know I said this much earlier in the show, but I really feel like MJF is AEW. I, I felt that his absence these past few months was I very much as a viewer I very much felt that um and also just the fact that he's one of the four pillars and perhaps out of the four pillars maybe in my mind the strongest one the one who I feel like he could have been world champion a long time ago if we're I mean I think that you know I'm you know now it that's really where they're going with this but i think he's long been ready to be you know from a professional standpoint as somebody who has the technical wrestling ability who's basically a prodigy from day one someone that has the talking ability someone that has the look he's long been ready to to be put in that type of a spot and now I'm I'm glad to see that they're finally pulling the trigger on it. But I was like losing my mind over that a couple of hours ago. Yeah. And now all of this new news about CM Punk and the EVPs and everything going on behind the scenes just raises a whole bunch of other questions and a whole bunch of other, is this going to somehow turn into a shoot? work are people going uh, to be working out we'll, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk more about the punk thing after this sure uh, sure yeah. but um S- I'm- sports said well let's let's get some of these super chat sports says i was hoping curtis axel would be the joker very <laughs> clever leonda says do we know the stokely mjf connection yeah they were uh in the dream team together on the indies but we don't know the extent of it as of yet uh heartless says um <clears throat> And new future AEW champion, Maxwell Joker Friedman. Um, Lucho says, hope you guys are having a good night. Does it bother you that wrestlers, in this case, big wrestlers, kind of dismiss something you reported, Sean? Uh, I I have no clue what you're talking about. If you mean CM Punk at the Scrum, didn't dismiss anything that uh, that I reported. Um, uh, my stuff is, is backed up and verified very effectively so if you'd like to clarify um i'll i'll sort of respond to that but i i'll say this i keep receipts i got receipts on the shit that i report there are there are zero things that you can point at and say oh this was completely wrong that i reported that i won't either retract apologize for if if that is the case but all my reporting on this has been correct in fact cm punk said that the uh said that the EVPs leaked that information. I reported the story. I've never once spoken to Kenny Omega or the Young Bucks outside of interviews. That's it. Um, I mean, that's that's just objectively false. Maybe they talked about it, talked talk to somebody else about it, but uh, I don't know. I didn't even get to set up my interview with Kenny Omega directly. We had to go through PR for that. So uh, Jake Salazar says, developmental for laughing emojis. Goofy. Let's get to the the MJF stuff. Uh, Carl says, I bet SRS is getting the MJF scoops as we speak. Uh, to some degree, there, I mean, honestly, there's there's not a lot of scoops to really get there. There's the contract status and all that. Sean says, is MJF still a free agent in 2024? According to the angle, he is. That's according to the angle. I don't know. And obviously, if 
MJF tells me anything about this in the future, I'm going to be hesitant to believe it. Obviously, um, I know that the information that I got leading up to Double or Nothing was accurate. Um, moving forward, obviously, I would be a lot more hesitant about that. But yeah, I am getting some MJF scoops as we speak. Brent says, have they created a situation where MJF has to win this upcoming title match? Certainly feels like it. Uh, well, Julie, it feels an awful lot like they should just put the title on him and get it off of this guy who seems to be very toxic right now. I think the other thing is too, I mean, I think in from, from a work standpoint, I mean, we saw tonight, we saw CM Punk basically get squashed the other week. We saw him tonight uh, have, he he won the match, but there were a lot of moments that made it feel like he potentially narrowly won the match. So I think from, from the standpoint of making it work for TV and having it be believable, I think it's very believable that MJF cleanly beat CM Punk just from somebody who from, from the standpoint of having someone as your champion who is a little bit older has had recent injury um has has recently had matches where they you know were either squashed in a couple of minutes or really had to put up a serious fight in order to get the victory so I, I think in terms of of making it work from from just the standpoint of like telling a story on TV, I think that they could do that quite quite easily. Um, I I personally, and maybe Sean Fightful Select has some more information about hmm. this, but I personally still have some questions between the squash match that they did the other week to the pay-per-view, like how they were able to get everybody on the same page just in order to make that work and yeah. make that happen. And my hope is that for the sake of MJF's return and for the sake of the fans that they're able to keep everybody happy long enough to at least get some payoff from that and not have people falling out all over the place before that's able to happen. We've got Augie Doggy saying, uh, did they do Alex's MJF Stokely idea? Seems like it. Um, sort of, sort of. Nathan says, felt like a show building to a new season of AEW. Not a lot of satisfying endings, but uh, so it will be about how they build off of it. Can't complain with MJF back. I'm very happy to see uh, MJF back. Very, I, very happy. I will say, you know how I feel about, about MJF, but I just think that the way that they did it, you know, I was so hopeful that he was going to come back tonight, but I have to give them a lot of props for the creativity in the words of lady gaga it it was talented brilliant incredible amazing show-stopping spectacular never the same totally unique completely not ever been done before unafraid to reference or not reference it was beautiful jake says srs just admit you got worked bro nothing wrong with it <laughs> sarcasm obviously Hey, uh, if if I, that ever happens, you know what I'd do? I'd say, good game, I'll get you next time. And then I would uh, find out that person's social security number and report it on Fightful Select. <laughs> Baco5 says the chip should be used as a cash-in. MJF's people should have beat down Punk after the match. 
Cassius Chip and beat Punk for the title in Chicago. But I mean, you want to build, you want to build to something. And that's how you build to something is you have somebody with that. And, and like I said, MJF getting a title shot off of getting squashed doesn't make any sense unless you make it make sense. And I think they did that. I that, think, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say one one or two quick things kind of spawning off of that point. I think there there was a question also, you know, as as I was watching that sort of popped up in my mind about how they use the chip. I'm glad that they're sort of using it for more of a long-term payoff, but I did kind of also have that question floating in my head of, is it kind of like a money in the bank sort of thing, or is it sort of more of a long-term thing? And I think that that kind of answered itself at the end of the show. My other question, just really quickly jumping back to the ladder match, I think as we were watching there was also a little bit of confusion as to the format of the match in terms of having it as a ladder match and like a battle rule, like not having everybody start the match at the same time, despite the fact that it was a ladder match. I don't know if they've done it like that in the past, but I there was some chatter here about how that was a little bit odd. Yes. Uh I, I don't disagree with that. It's, I, I'm willing to let, like today, I'm willing to let WWE stuff play out a little bit more. With yeah. AEW, I've been more willing to let it play out. Reductive says, yes, Julie is a little monster. <laughs> Love that for me. Lord of the Bucket says, the wrestling equivalent of the Kennedy assassination just happened and you're somehow doing a live podcast. And I got a scoop on it and I got even more, guys. I'm trying to, uh, man... I'm trying to to dig in. Uh, I'll be up quite late tonight, um, for sure, for sure. Uh, Lucho says, you answered what I wanted to know. Appreciate the hard work of getting all the info. And shout out Julie. Get her on more post-show, please. I'd love to have Julie on more. She's really great. I love doing these. Ryan says, Jade and MJF now share a lawyer and a publicist. I mean, look, <laughs> look at them. They're doing well. Matt Reichel says the the ending was great. Makes me want to travel to full gear for my first pay-per-view since all out last year. Have a great show, Sean and Julie. Will you have a good time? But there is talk of the MJF punk match. Uh, R. Harris says the crowd turned on punk when MJF was revealed. And Ruben says, assuming MJF takes the title from punk, who do you see ending MJF's reign? Well, I mean, Wardlow's got to be a person that, that competes for it because he crushed MJF. But like at that point, I think MJF gets his win back. Jake says him coming out was this beautiful masterpiece. I agree. It was, it was a beautiful masterpiece. It was amazing. As reported uh, by FightfulSelect.com, he was speculated to be the Joker today. By talent, please subscribe. But eventually, it, it, I feel like it's the same like as like Roman Reigns right now. It's got to be the right person. We know MJF is the right person. Um, unfortunately, Punk just built feuds that aren't going to happen with like four other people. And now everybody's talking about this. But you can't really say a lot about that because MJF did the same shit to Wardlow. So, ah, oh, man. But Dex says, Sean, we're in the same time zone. Here's five for coffee in the morning. I don't drink coffee, but uh, I will use that for monster energy. And I would uh, greatly appreciate it. Full White says, work or not, AEW is keeping kayfabe alive. I mean, that's not the way that works. <laughs> like Some of this is not kayfabe. But if you turn it into kayfabe, like Tony Khan had said in an interview, 
Cool. Make it work. Make some money off of it. We've got uh, C saying the whole ending was perfect to the voicemail to the ROH Punk promo. Tony knows how to book the ending of a pay-per-view. That he does. And um, there was an April uh, tweet from from, uh, AEW that referenced MJF about Sympathy for the Devil. And that's the Rolling Stones song that was played when he came out. I mean, my God, Tony Khan making $100 million this year, they say, and he's going to spend $99 million on that Rolling Stones song. <laughs> like, damn, that's expensive. I was I was shocked by that. But MJF did, u- MJF did use his actual theme, though. So, I mean, I, I don't think that's too bad. Lord of the Bucket says, AUW doesn't run, run a show in Dallas, so I can attend one. I'll be very offended. Uh, they're about to do more West Coast stuff next year, is what they said. Maduka says they tried something new with MJF coming back. He got a big pop in the end. Not sure if that was the best way in hindsight. Time to get a CM Punk poster on the wall, SRS. I don't have like wrestlers merch and stuff. Sorry. I feel like, I feel like that'd be a little, little biased there. As, as subjective as wrestling can be. But Jamal says, feels like Punk's not going to get a decent championship title run. I can see them putting the belt on MJF as soon as Grand Slam or full gear at the latest. But I was hoping to see a good Punk title run. I think you pop a buy rate out of this. I think you get a buy rate out of it as best you can. Um, where do you think we see it? Uh, Arthur Ashe or maybe Full Gear? I think Full Gear. I think Full Gear would be the place to do it. What's the date? What's the date for Arthur Ashe? Uh, I don't know. I think it's in like two or three weeks. I, I, I would personally like to see it at Full Gear. I think some of it sounds like it might be somewhat dependent on just what's going on behind the scenes right now in terms of keeping everybody happy and sort of getting everybody to where they want to be. But I, it's a big enough moment where I think it's full year worthy. Yeah. Matthew says it's been a crazy year for pro wrestling. I love it, man. Like it's, (laughs) it's so much fun to cover this stuff. It's Two thirty in the morning, and there's three thousand of you watching us right now. I'm gonna need at least three hundred more of you to uh, click that thumbs up button. Get in your super chats. Get in your humper chats. I haven't even mentioned them because we were trying to keep this at an hour fifty. We're we're here still. We're, we're gonna talk here. about it. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll make sure that, that Julie gets reimbursed uh, accordingly for her time. But my God, guys, uh, super chats, humper chats, get those in. If you're new here. We're live after every show, Raw, SmackDown, Rampage, Dynamite, NXT, Impact. We got it all. Uh, So make sure you guys check it out and subscribe to FightfulSelect.com. We have this wild news. Is it a work? Is it a shoot? Well, you know what? We are uh, very cognizant of that, but we're telling you what we know on FightfulSelect.com. DDM says, just watch the scrum and I feel so bad for Hangman. Did the paramedics get him out from under that bus yet? I mean, I... I think Hangman was building to a pay-per-view and that was it. But we're about to talk about that. Voodoo Child says, MJF will dictate when his title shot is and it'll be the next time AEW is in Long Island. 2022 will end up with MJF as champ. 2023 will be about trying to get the title off of him before his contract ends. I I think that's a brilliant freaking thing. Whoever sent in that chat, you're hired. That's that's probably probably sort of the pitch there. Anyway, <laughs> but, 
I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Elo- that would make a lot of sense. Eloquent says Punk should work heel with his gimmick being talking down to younger wrestlers. I feel like MJF may be the baby face in this new feud. That's what Jericho said. Jericho said that he thinks that MJF is going to be the biggest baby face, whether he wants to be or not. Everybody's got that asshole in them. Like everybody's got that, not to the degree that MJF is, but he's confident in himself. <clears throat> well, I think be- also- oh, I'm sorry. Let's go. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I think after this absence, we were all just so happy to see him back because he's like the heart and soul of this company in so many ways. And, and really something very special in this industry, especially in today's landscape in so many ways. I, I think he's right. I think he's going to be a big baby face, whether he likes it or not, just because people love his heel work so much that they just, it's like you love to hate him. It's he has become that that villain that, that you just love the you want to watch. Exactly. Uh, Le Champion says any news on AEW shows near Indiana, uh, Cincinnati in a few weeks. Jack Schimmel says, Chad, I don't think you'll do it. 300 likes, you coward. No balls. Uh, come on, guys, leave a thumbs up. We'd greatly appreciate it. And as we wrap up the MJF talk, uh, we've got Tremaine saying so Punk can lose and get a rematch roughly two weeks later and win the title. With that logic, I'm very much for MJF beating Punk at whatever Dynamite special is coming. Forgive me, I'm not a Punk guy who can take him or leave him. Well, Tremaine, they did make sense of it. They they uh, had him sign, or they had a Steel get the open contract. That's how they made sense of it. But let's talk about the scrum drama. We're back at it. Chris says, do you think it's best if either Punk or the EVPs have to go? The EVPs have alienated less people than Punk. Regardless, you know, he, he can blame the media. He can blame everybody else that he wants. And listen, I enjoy him as, as a wrestler, as a performer, all that stuff. But I mean, my God, like, it's there's a lot of people that have, have taken some issue with him. Uh, Roy says, as a Bengals fan, who's the bigger cancer at this point, CM Punk or Pac-Man Jones? Pac-Man was a very, very good player for a very long time. Uh, he caught helped cost us a, a very important game, but I, I wouldn't say, I, I don't know. I don't want to answer that. Matthew Owensby says it has been a crazy year. Jim city. Vinny says it's all a work. Did anyone else notice Kenny calling out boys in the back? Try to beat that bitch. Also dark order loses because of hangman's buckshot. So it might be going to the elite soon. It is not all a work. Um, that is a, a wild blanket statement that is just factually untrue. Is what's going on tonight a work? Well, I was told that a couple of the media members that weren't going to go to the scrum were told, oh, you should come to the scrum. I mean, then they were targeted, but uh, it wasn't all a work. Is it a work? Is some of it a work? Quite possibly. It's hard for me to determine that while I'm on the air. Uh, but he says it plays into CM Punk calling Hangman an empty-headed dumb fuck. Would love to add that TK and MJF pulled off a really good work tonight. I mean, they pulled a good one off since the end of Double or Nothing. Yes, it wasn't a work from the beginning of March. And the it's all a work crowd is among the dumbest crowd I've ever seen. There are some people that just have issues. And then you know what? They're in show business. So they're smart enough to make it work. The Lifestyle says Punk went scorched earth on Colt, including dredging up details about litigation and his finances, buried the EVPs embarrassing uh do i think the elite addresses this punk drama on bte yes i do i think they always will 
Cool Jag says, I'm glad Punk buried Hangman. Well-deserved. Uh, I disagree. From an opinion standpoint, uh, I completely disagree. Hangman was, was promoting a show. Rob Sanderson says, in the scrum, Jericho mentioned his last ECW match was with Two Cold Scorpio with TK in attendance. How do we convince Tony to book the rematch for AEW? <laughs> I just think he will randomly at some point. I think he would. I think he would do that too. Yeah. Leo says, Tony Khan needs to worry about his locker room imploding and the sheer toxicity of AEW backstage instead of trying to bring up uh, WWE. I mean, I'll, I'll just tell you guys, this is completely unconfirmed completely unconfirmed but like the word i'm getting is that there was like something physical or some sort of skirmish with some members of the elite and punk and uh a steel i've far from confirmed that or anything but like that is all over the place and very very alleged right now but hey ultimately we're in the wrestling business we can handle some goddamn rumors and i think everybody's gonna be all right um Eloquent says, people owe you an apology for the Brock walkout story. Had a whole mess of people telling me I wasn't good at my job over that. And then Triple H outright admitted it this past week. Listen, hey, guy, I'm just saying, call me an egomaniac. Say whatever you want. All you got to do is message that Fightful Twitter account that Kyler runs and say, hey, I'm sorry I was a dick. Will Sean unblock me? And I'll go hit that little button and we'll call it square. How about that? Oscar says, that scrum will give Fightful Select the 10K subs. Honestly, though, it made me realize TK quickly lost control of the locker room. Hope he can turn it around. At 10,000 subscriptions, Will Washington has said he will show feet. Uh, Maggie said <laughs> she will stop smoking. And Denise said she will release her Braun Breaker interview. What will you do, Julie? Will you sing for us? You know what? I would love to sing for you. For 10K, I... Absolutely. I will do my own rendition of Judas. How about that? There you go. We had Alex do that once. Uh, Jimbo says, uh, Punk versus Kenny at Grand Slam. I doubt it. I doubt it. But hey, we'll find out very soon if this is a work. Leo says, Tony needs to worry about his locker room. Actually, I got that. Uh, got that one. CM says, hated seeing people ask Tony, call, uh, ask Tony about calling audibles right in front of the tag champs and Storm. Feels disrespectful to them. I don't think it's disrespectful. It's acknowledging the crowd. I, I mean, is it a little awkward? Sure, sure. Roy says the people who say it's all a work are those who are so afraid to be wrong. If you insist it's all a work, you can never be proven wrong. There ain't nothing wrong with being wrong. If I'm wrong, I say, shit, that sucks. Hopefully you guys trust me. Sorry about it, but it is what it is. Lucho says, quite phenomenal how Tony and AEW used the shoot work angle and the fact that they pulled it off is impressive. I'll get select after this stream because the next scoops will be insane. I mean, me dropping Fight Forever stuff seems like two days ago, and it was it was this afternoon. Uh, we've got Matthew saying, how exactly did Paige try to go into business for himself? Can't see this explained anywhere. Well, what Punk took exception with was the workers' rights line in reference to Colt Cabana, a very vague one, because the rumor was that Punk got Cabana canned. Tony Khan has said that's not true. Uh, CM Punk says that's not true. But um, there's also Hangman saying that he wants to save AEW from Punk. Punk didn't get the opportunity to really address that because he had the match, he got injured, he had his promo when he was leaving, his return, so he did when he came back. Punk's side of things were that he believes 
that because he was there and Hangman was also there, that it was it was even footing there. But that's his take. Heartless says at 10K subs, Sean Ross fan house drops. Sorry, guys, you ain't seeing my balls. Um, maybe, uh, you know what? At 50K, at 50K subscribers, I'll, I'll post my balls. How about that, guys? There you go. Because that's just too much money to ignore. I'm sorry. I'm, I'll just retire shortly after that. Uh, we've got more Super Chats coming in. Matthew McCoffsey says, if this isn't a work, big F and yikes. Jennifer says, instead of Punk tearing down all the AEW workers, you should be thanking them for making it successful and allowing him a company to return to. That I agree with. Actually, I do want to chime in with one thing there because I remember a couple months ago with all of the chaos in wrestling media surrounding the Sasha-Naomi walkout, I remember yeah. distinctly Punk being one of the people that came to their defense. And so I would think that that sort of supportive attitude should be across the board yeah. for your locker room as well. Yep. Achilles says 10K subs, a Julie MJF cosplay. She just does that all the oh time. My God, I would about? You don't have to pay for that. She just get her the scarf. If someone wants to buy me an authentic Burberry scarf with my initials, you're more than welcome. There you go. <laughs> Voodoo Child says, I'm glad I'm, uh, you guys like my MJF prediction. Summer or year of MJF will be epic. Uh, the that summer it will of be. MJF. I love that for us. That it will be. <laughs> we still got some about the scrum. We are wrapping up soon. Um, Carl says, seems like so much drama has happened since Cody left AEW. Coincidence? Do you think that... That's. Do you think that he has anything to do with that? Do I think that? Well, do you, do you think that that him not being there has affected any of the morale? Because I mean, there were some. I, I remember specifically, specifically when I found out about the Cody thing. I somebody was being vague, and they were like, "I said, is this good news or bad news?" And they said, "Well, it depends on who you ask." And I said, yeah. "It's Cody. He's leaving." Like it, it just light bulbed me in my mind. I, I also would tend to say maybe it depends on who you ask because obviously there's a lot of people who are still there who were personally very close to Cody and who look up to him as a role model in the business yeah. and just like in life in general. But on the flip side, I will say, I think that when Cody was still there, it got to a point after a, a while where it felt like he was creatively and booking wise sort of on a different page than a lot of people. At least to me, it felt like sometimes he seemingly would have an idea in his head about some some person or a story that he really wanted to make happen. For example, yeah. the Anthony Agogo angle, which he later acknowledged himself was a disaster or him leaning in really heavily to pushing Brock Anderson. Um, I feel like sometimes he kind of had creative ideas in his mind that he thought were valuable and not to say that they weren't valuable, but it just didn't, 
fit with everything else that was going on in the program. And it just kind of felt like he was off on his own little island. So it's hard to say because, like I said, I feel like there's some people that, you know, especially because he was one of the people that was there from the get-go. There were people that probably looked up to him and were very close to him. And then there's some people that, you know, may not have appreciated yeah. that sort of creative, I don't, I don't know quite yeah. the word that I'm looking for when he was kind of veering off in his own creative. Yeah. He, he there was, the, there was the Cody verse as, as we, yeah, said. there was the Cody verse and, yeah. and maybe that Cody verse in its own sense was kind of a cause for some drama. Because we are wrapping up, uh, Eloquence says, MJF post so scrums as champ will be amazing. Oh, they will. Uh, Nicholas says, John Moxley didn't bleed in this match. It's a new era in AEW. Uh, but Punk he didn't bleed, did... but he ate someone else's. <laughs> yeah, uh, there's there's a lot that, that, like, Punk and Moxley, they bled, sort of bled together. Uh, Zachary says, I was really hoping the Joker would cash in on Punk when the title and unmasked to be MJF. What an ending that would be. Well, it's not a cash-in. It's it's to set up a match. KE775 says, Thunder Rosa seems unpopular. Could you see Triple H tampering again to Lou Hurd or mess WrestleMania LA? Well, it doesn't matter. Uh, and he says, I'm kind of kidding. I'm sure she would go to WDB, and I'm sure they'd be interested too. Adam Russo says, Punk seems like the kind of guy who is more happy creating and escalating drama than solving issues. Well, I can tell you this. He had me blocked on Twitter, and when he asked why and I told him, um, he unblocked me. So there's that. That's my limit of the experience. Uh, Ryan Lambert. Uh, well, we just had that super chat up there and it got taken down, but Adam says, thanks for all you guys do punk going off on the EVPs and, uh, page made my night was great to see Mox work to his full potential. I thought they, they delivered. Mark says, wonder if this is the last AEW scrum with talent. I hope not, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, Radam says, I hate that CM Punk is a Cub fan, but talks like a Southside White Sox fan. Jake Salazar, the only, honestly, only fair that Punk gets to tell his side. He's just a lot more blunt and harsh. Um, and I appreciate him for it. He's tired of all the BS. Hey, you know what? When Corey Graves was vague tweeting, I hit him up and I said, Hey buddy, just tell me your story. And he did. I always appreciate that. Always appreciate that. Ryan says, we're getting the summer of punk. Now we're getting the fall of punk. Maybe, maybe he loses right out of the gate. Roy says, as someone who's read punk's comics, he should remember that wrestling is not all he's ever wanted. It's all he could get. Damn, man. That's cold. But he's, he's what we wanted. in. I mean, think about how many years we all attended wrestling shows and chanted CM Punk for no reason. Not me. Oh. I could. Yeah. Why? Why'd you do that? Don't do that. <laughs> and now Man. we finally got our reason. Chris Louise says Punk made TK look very uncomfortable at the scrum. Awkward. SRS, you're the best in the biz. Keep on, brother. Hey, you know what? I couldn't do it without a, a lot of people that are there on site. So I want to shout out Denise Salcedo and Will Washington. And uh, John Alba, who did incredible coverage of the scrum as well. Um, they they are out there doing that work, and I want to show them an awful lot of love. Joel Wood says, MJF returned tonight after three months, and all I've seen is anybody talking about Punk's comments. Again, life comes full circle, and that's where we were with MJF and Wardlow uh, in, in May. 
William Tucker says, everyone that worked at AEW or who at AEW worked for WWE want to go back now that Triple H is in charge. I mean, that that has attracted an awful lot of people to that company and um, or to, to possibly wanting to go back. But there are some that don't at all. Joel Wood says, MJF returned tonight. Uh, we just read that one. Luis! But Joel says, the Punk-Tony relationship backstage is starting to give HBK vibes in 97 as far as the nuclear heat he seems to be getting, minus the drugs, obviously. I think that is a, a very good comparison. I think that's a very good comparison because Punk is getting away with some stuff that other people wouldn't have. And um, I, I do think that's that's an apt comparison, especially when you hear that Punk said that he wouldn't put over Hangman. And for a guy that likes Brett as much as Punk does, that is a very Sean 97 thing to say. Uh, Zach Schimmel says, chat, if you can get 50 more likes, I'll drop some YouTube memberships in the chat. That gets your uh, comments to stand out a little bit more. And uh, you get some behind-the-scenes footage as well. But we're finally wrapping up. We got a couple more left. Full White says TK needs to man up, straighten this out. No one is above anyone. Getting a little prissy over a promo is stupid. Punk is a grown man. I don't disagree with that. Where do you stand on that based on what you know, based on what I, I had mentioned about the Punk Hangman stuff? Based on what we know, I think that whatever heat was generated from this particular promo this was this was a while ago now. Like I feel like there's been enough discussion about it and it's been there's been enough back and forth where in this type of professional environment at a certain point I think you just need to squash it and move on. And I mean, I guess it's just like you know life, right? It's not just the wrestling business where there's going to be some people that you work with that maybe you don't like that much or maybe you don't get along with that well, but at the end of the day, sometimes you got to just take one for the team and do what's best for the team and 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 smooth things over for the sake of, you know, creating a peaceful, cohesive locker room. And I think as grown adult men, we should be able to do that now. Yep. Indeed. Uh, we are right at the 1K threshold. Please leave us a thumbs up. Marcus Carney says... Can you expand on what you said about them asking certain media to be at the scrum? Yeah, I was told a couple of people uh, weren't going to go and they were told, oh, you got to go. But I, I just want to say this. Tony does that about a lot of things. He'll be like, hey, you coming to the pay-per-view? You got to come to the pay-per-view. I'm going to make this show count. He's a promoter. That's what he does. That, of course, in that situation, it makes me wonder, was he saying that so these people would be there to get some coverage or, no, you got to see what he's going to say or... No, I want you there. I got to want you there. Tony is a very friendly guy like that. So, um, yeah, that is, that's, that's the extent of that. King Family Reacts says, whatever happens as a result of the media scrum, TK needs to take control of his locker room now. Time to be a boss and stop being a fan. So I completely agree with Tony saying drama builds matches and all that. It's just if it causes any of your stars to get physical or leave, that's, that's where you draw the line. Jimbo says Punk seems petty. He should smoke a joint and chill. Big thank you to Zach Schimmel. He gifted 10 Fightful YouTube memberships. We're finally done, guys. It's finally over. Um, this is one of the longest reviews I've ever done. We wanted it to go 150. It went 240. But you guys made us stay here, and we're here to talk with you guys. 
we have a big report on Fightful Select. I'm going to be up a while working on this. But Julie, tell people where they can find you. Absolutely. So the best place to find me is on Instagram. My handle is the crown jewels. Crown is with an E at the end. It's the old English spelling. That's just how we roll. And if you would like to come see me in person, I will be making an appearance at pro wrestling action Sunday, October nice. 2nd in Altamonte Springs. This is one that you will not want to miss. There is a lot of good talent that gets pulled into this promotion. The Gun Club has been there previously. Um, a lot of familiar faces that you'll probably recognize from AEW Dark. So if you are interested, um, go follow Pro Wrestling Action on Facebook and on Instagram. And the information for tickets is in their bio. Big thank you to Luis and our moderators. Big thank you to all of you that are here. Again, I'll tell you, FightfulSelect.com. Subscribe. We had hundreds of new uh, signups while we were on this show. Thank you guys so much. If you try it, just one month. It's five bucks. I guarantee you, you're going to enjoy it. Uh, we have we have a very good uh, retention rate over there. Just give it a shot. Five bucks. Leave a thumbs up. I appreciate you guys. Thank you to Zach Schimmel who uh, sent a, a good number of super chats and donations. Until next time. We're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.